I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of August 2022, and uh, this month, uh, in contrast to last month, uh, we are covering contemporary releases. So that would be films that were released in the year of 2022. Uh, last month, we were talking about films from the year 2002, so roughly 20 years ago. But here we are talking about contemporary releases. Uh, last week, I did a solo review of the Korean action film Carter uh, that I don't think Kyle would be able to sit through without vomiting in his lap. Or you know, putting up, putting his knuckles through his wall because, good God, uh, the visual language of that film is busted to shit. And I, I Kyle doesn't really have hair to tear out, uh, but I'm sure it would be torn out of his face were he to attempt viewing that film. But uh, Kyle, uh, you are actually on the mic today, yeah. so I'm going to stop rambling for a second and let you reintroduce yourself to the folks at home. Hi-ya! Yes, I am back. Uh, <laughs> Uh, against Gary Oldman's wishes. Um, yes, I am back. Uh, I was out of town last week, uh, in town this week, so happy to be back. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start at the top here real quick and mention that the new Thor movie sucks ass. No one should go see it. Do not spend money on it in the theaters. Just wait for it to go to Disney Plus whenever that happens. And they'll hold on to it for a while because they know people don't want to pay money for it. I was also going to mention, so I was mentioning off the air... Uh, movies that I had watched recently, and I just wanted to uh, catch the listeners up on what I've been watching. And one that I mentioned to you was uh, Bottle Shock, which has Alan Rickman in it. I was in a Rickman mood. I'm like, I want to watch Rickman do something. Uh, it's about how uh, the Calif- uh, uh, California winery basically in the 70s put California on the map on, for the world to know, like, hey, we're actually really good at wine. It is a terrible movie. Absolutely stupid. Um, but it's a movie about wine, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to watch. It, it's absolute garbage. But what's not garbage, Trevor, well, I have it here, I'll tell you about it, is I had no idea about this movie. I have a feeling you did, because I looked at the cast, I'm like, well, I bet Trevor knows about this, is the movie uh, Day Shift, starring Jamie Foxx and uh, Dave Franco on Netflix. You should totally watch that. It's a lot of fun, good time. Jamie Foxx is not aging. Like, he he's not aging at all. It's pretty great. Uh, but there is a, a certain English stuntman uh, who makes an appearance in there, and he gets to he gets to do a beat down a little bit, and he's doing a, a hacky Russian accent, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. Well, thanks for catching us up, Carl. Yeah, there you go. It. It's, it's good to have you back. And and by the way, way way to go, uh, knocking out a couple of contemporary releases there in your little spiel there. Mm-hmm. So uh, Thor Thor no day shift yes. I, I will be getting around to both of those eventually. Um, Thor, uh, as Kyle said, like I, I, I can wait. I'm not in a hurry. However, uh, Day Shift, uh, I'm that, that's actually like one of my most anticipated for the year uh, because of the aforementioned uh, British stuntman uh, who beat some ass in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to spoil things for myself too badly, but Kyle, uh, if you had to estimate total screen time for said British stuntman, what would you what would you put it at? Oh, you could bust a nut in time. I mean, uh, he's on there for about... Uh, <laughs> uh, he's, I can give him totes, totes, I'd say an actual five minutes. A good five minutes on there. 
Okay, so I'm not going to be getting a edging in, but, you know, it, it's good enough to get you going. Yeah, okay. you'll try to edge, but you'll pop before you even, yeah, you'll pop before you can edge. Uh, isn't that frustrating when you mistime it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, well, I guess we got to rewind it. Story <laughs> of my life. Yeah. I know, but uh, bullshit aside, uh, our contemporary release that we're going to be reviewing today uh, is one that uh, I absolutely was not going to cover without Kyle. Um, I, I think you and I had attempted to like schedule it last week, but like I said, we had some real life shit going on, mm-hmm. um, and I was more than happy to push it because uh, this one, to me anyway, is important. Uh, film in question is uh, Dan Trachtenberg's *Prey* uh, from the year 2022, and this is of course the most recent of the *Predator* film franchise. Uh, and the reason, uh, among many reasons, I guess, uh, this is very important to me, and I hope Kyle as well, is that um, if you look back to the very, very, very beginning of Catching Up on Cinema, uh, the very first thing that Kyle and I ever talked about with a hot mic in the room was uh, was the Predator franchise. We did a little something called the Predator Masterclass, where we talked about, uh, up to that point anyway, uh, every Predator film uh, that existed. Um, so that would exclude The Predator, which Kyle and I actually went to see in person in the theater and both walked out of mostly disappointed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I tried rewatching this movie, dude. It is unwatchable. Or The Predator. I tried rewatching it. It is unwatchable. Yeah, I got a I got an ornery text from Kyle uh, like about a year ago saying exactly that. I was like, oh, well, I guess that I guess I should bring caution with me if I decide to put that one back on. <laughs> I couldn't finish it, and I fast forwarded through the bus scene with all the inmates. Oh, yeah. Oh no, that's how bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you see how every cast member was eliminated this time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's absolutely nobody you know in this movie. I thought we were going to get at least one Native American actor that we knew. There's not a one. Yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, there's a little gag between Kyle and I about Sterling K. Brown in The Predator. Great. Um, He's the best we saw. It, we saw it on, on the big screen, Big as Life and Twice as Ugly, and we walked out of the theater and Kyle said, what happened to Sterling K. Brown? He was like the best part of that movie. Yeah. And I was like, y- you mean you don't know? No. <laughs> and Kyle's not alone either. Like, I'm, I'm teasing, but no. Uh, the visual language and the editing of the film of the entire third act of that movie of the predator is is atrocious like uh, i know what happened i know that they had to basically reshoot the entire finale of the movie um so everything was very rushed and very shoddily stitched together in post Uh, but that doesn't excuse the fact that the most charismatic member of the cast is killed in such a way that you you would be hard pressed to actually understand what you just saw (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. terrible filmmaking is what it is um however uh the this film uh prey uh, i'd like to just open things by saying i i mostly quite liked and i th- i think you and i are mostly on the same page there right yeah 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 so this is not the predator <laughs> this no. is prey uh, it's a totally different movie and it's actually a much better movie uh, yeah in, in virtually every way imaginable <laughs> i want to talk about something real quick i want to talk about i would love to be a fly on the wall for the pitch meeting for this movie because when i heard about this movie they're like yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh they're doing another predator movie i'm like great what now because we the last couple we've had was the predator and predators and it declines from there predators is a much better movie than the predator but like oh what's what's gonna happen it's like oh it's gonna be predator back in like the oregon trail i'm like wait 
the Predator movie is going to be back then. It's like, do you know that he's like technologically, he's going to just absolutely run through people. And we're like, okay, this is going to be really stupid. But then you saw the trailers for this movie and you're like, oh shit, this might actually have something. This might actually be something. Yeah, I mean, you got a Predator and long grass. That, that's a way to do some, some good promotion for your Predator film. Um, yeah, I, I was mostly in the same boat as you. Um, I, I kind of scoffed. Uh, at the initial like on paper pitch for the movie because this this idea has been floating around for several years uh, as far as i understand i think it was around like 2016 that it was officially like in like pre-production development um like on a conceptual level like production wouldn't start until like 2019 at, at the very least maybe even 2020 but the point is this idea had been floating around out there for quite some time um, and yeah, I wasn't super enthused about the idea of it, but uh, here we are, uh, and they they stuck the landing for the most part. Uh, so, but I'm not sure if you would have the answer to this, but I actually can't remember why we decided to start catching up on cinema with the Predator Masterclass. Was it just because you, you wanted an excuse to talk about Predator 2? Because I feel like it was just you wanting an excuse to talk about Predator 2. Trevor, when you asked me, when you sent me a text like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast, would you like to co-host it with me? My mind went straight to, that scene from Predator 2. I'm just like, yeah, dude, I have to talk. The world, we have to talk about that movie. Uh, Because the scorpion is ready. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So yes, part part of the answer to your question is yes, but the reason why... Uh, we started with the Predator Masterclass, I think, is because we weren't sure what the jumping off point would be. And we're like, well, we definitely want to see that new Predator movie. So let's... I think that was kind of what we had in our mind. Is like we were gearing up for it, I think, at that point. It's like, let's start with the Predator Masterclass because that's coming out soon. I think you're right. I think there was a little bit of like looking ahead and like looking at what was coming out in theaters, and also both of us mutually appreciating the franchise independently. I would say it was, it was a good jumping off point for us as well because we knew that was a franchise that we could sit down and talk about. Yeah, without any sort of you know dead air or anything. Yeah. Like it was very natural for us to be able to talk about that, and that's that's what's always been weird about the Predator franchise for me personally, and maybe you can relate to this is that like. Like, the objective quality of most of the Predator films is actually not great. Like, like they're, a lot of them are just, like, adequate. Some of them are outright not good. The first one's fantastic, but beyond that, like, it's just kind of like a lot of... It does the job, but it doesn't really blow your hair back or anything. And yet, I always... Like, branding and, and brand synergy is a thing. Like, like, the marketing blitz for Aliens versus Predator was absolutely a thing in my childhood and and you know forevermore but but i always think of those two things those two franchises as being like very core to my being like that they're both just very important to me and i'm continually surprised by how much i seem seemingly care (laughs) about the predator films despite not really liking like like not really being over the moon about many of them like, like is it the same for you yeah i think that i think the first two movies carry a lot for me because really what you need for a predator movie is you need a predator with personality you need some character practical effects you just need to show me that that seven foot dude in the makeup that that's going to get you a long way 
gore. We need extreme, like extreme violence. I'm like, if you can check those boxes, you're gonna be fine. It doesn't even have to. You don't even have to knock the movie out of the park. Just give me some of that. Which is why that second one is like, yeah, the story's pretty silly, but shit, it it delivers on everything else. And then it, you get to AVP, and it's just like. I, I know you really like that movie, and it does have its strength. <laughs> it's fine, but it's like... Hey, fuck off! <laughs> there's, like, there's, like, no blood in that movie. Like, we don't get any of the cool Predator stuff. And AVP 2 kind of picks it up a little bit, but not too much. And then Predators just is what the fuck ever. And then the Predator... that Fuck them for that movie, honestly. Yeah, Predators is a weird one for me, personally. Because... I very consistently hear people point to that one as being like one of the better ones and I wouldn't argue that but in terms of my personal attachment to that movie I I am very ambivalent towards it. Yeah. Like it's 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 a pretty handsome production it has a very charismatic cast but there's something about the staging of the action in particular that just feels a little bit anemic. Like I I, I there's not a whole lot of like memorable like cool moments in there for me. Like the, there's a lot of cool ideas at work and some really good production design, but it just doesn't have that memorable quality to to but, it that like the first and the second one has. That's also where they started adding stuff. They added some extra creatures in there. It's like, don't add. <laughs> just just keep it simple. <laughs> it's funny because the, the timing of the release might be the reason for it, but I my brain, like the wires get crossed and I, and I think of Punisher Warzone and AVP Requiem in the same in the same stream of consciousness where i think i seem to remember both of them had like quote red band trailers that were just highlight reels of all the kills Um, it's like you know if you really think about what would draw you to either of those movies it's like yeah that is that is the right way to market those (laughs) movies especially punisher war zone that had some like crazy shriek metal playing over it that i like i think i think the, the word columbine is mentioned in the lyrics oh jeez <laughs> yikes that's yeah. not classy um no 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 but uh, as we mentioned uh, the predator is is not a favorite of neither kyle nor myself but uh long story short predator is surprisingly important to me um anytime there's rumblings of a new production uh, of any sort film you know potentially tv video games especially uh, my ears perk right the fuck up, and I'm I'm always down for Predator. So this one, um, the on paper pitch for it, as I said, didn't really do much for me. Um, however, uh, when the thing came out and I got to see a teaser or two, and I got to see some positive press about it, uh, my enthusiasm was restored. And sure enough, when I when I put this one on and I completed it, uh, I walked away very happy with it uh, to the point that I'm almost confident saying i think it's my number two uh in the franchise well i do not agree with that but okay (laughs) uh well let's uh do it up front then what's what's the rankings kyle for the predator franchise uh are we including uh avps uh we can exclude those okay yeah it goes uh one two prey predators the predator uh i think mine would go predator prey two uh, and then, same as you, uh, Predators, and then The Predator just has to be last. Yeah. It, it's, it's just not very good, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Kyle, uh, we should probably get to the movie proper then. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so would you care to give us a, a plot summary for Prey from 2022, directed by Dan Trachtenberg? Yeah, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the uh, the IMDb uh, summary. I feel like that's uh, the best way to go about this. So the origin story the origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved predators to land on Earth. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, but that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> okay, that, that's that's fair. That's a that's a fine summary, I guess. I, I'm not sure I agree with it entirely either. Yeah. But um, just to give like just a, a little bit of a production history for this one, as I said, this uh, idea was gestating in Hollywood for quite some time. In fact, it was around the time I think uh, like pre uh, Disney purchasing Fox. Um, however, this production very much occurred post-purchase of Fox, so this is very much a Disney Predator movie, which is really weird to think or say, um, but this was directed by Dan Trachtenberg, uh, who, Kyle, you will know him as the fellow who gave us uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh. Um, yeah, I think uh, most people like that movie, uh, myself and you especially included, Um and uh, beyond that, though, uh, he's had he has very few credits. Uh, he he did an episode of Black Mirror. He did an episode of The Boys and a show called The Last Symbol. Uh, he did the pilot for that one. Um, two of those, I would assume, are very very good, being as Black Mirror and The Boys uh, have very good track records. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, there's a couple of notes here that, are, uh, that jump out at me because I noticed some elements of this film that um, and uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane as well. Uh, that I I couldn't not notice. Um, he did a couple of short films based around video games. Uh, one of which was Portal, uh, which is a game Kyle would know. Fuck yeah! Um, you, you can't say that for every game because Kyle Kyle is a I know his relationship to games is a little different than my own. I'm running through Crash Bandicoot. I'm on the I'm the Insane Trilogy right now. I took a break from Donkey Kong, but I'm going back through the Insane Trilogy right now. Just really really pissed off at a level right now i'm trying to get i'm trying to get the red gym and it is it is a nightmare right now so oh are you on the second or the third game i went back to restart uh vortex strikes back uh cortex vortex i can't remember yes cortex cortex Cortex. yeah so i went back and i started that over because i want to get the gems and everything i'm trying to get that it it's way easier just to run through the game those gems are a motherfucker yeah, uh, they absolutely are. I, I did all that uh, when it was on the PS1. Um, however, I also have that remaster uh, through Steam, and I was very impressed with it. I actually got the girlfriend to play that one. Uh, nice. I haven't got. I haven't tried the newest Crash Bandicoot. They actually made a brand new one uh, that I think they're kind of. I think it's called like About Time or something. Uh, basically, it's Crash Bandicoot Four, even though they've made many, many, many Crash Bandicoots since uh, the third one. Very excited to try that one out. Point is, Dan Trachtenberg, I, just based on the cinematography um, and the vibe of the two films he's made, he's a gamer. I have to assume he's a gamer. I, I picked up on some, some elements of this film and 10 Cloverfield Lane that I was like, hmm, I think, I, I, I think this guy's sat in a, a, in a racing chair a, a few times in his life uh, with a controller in his lap and a, a Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> He's one of the tribe. Uh, but, yeah, uh, actually very few credits uh, attributed to him. But uh, his track record is, is excellent thus far. But um, 
anyway, uh, the concept for the film uh, is, as Kyle said, uh, this is a period film uh, featuring a predator, which is a, a something we have not seen before. Uh, this is something that has been explored in predator fiction, but never on film, uh, because the Predator is a multimedia franchise, and in fact, one of the characters in this film is taken from the comic books from the 90s. Um, very minor character, as far as I know. Um, so this is not a unique idea. In fact, Predator 2 uh, actually directly connects to this film uh, in the form of a prop that's featured at the end of both of those films. Uh, so not a, not a brand spanking new idea, but it is in the world of feature film. Uh, so Kyle, would you would you like to just dive right into this one? I think we'll go front to back on it. Yeah, um, there's not. I can't really talk about the cast in this movie because this is. I mean, aside from the French people, like this is a predominantly Native American cast of actors that I've literally never seen in anything. So I don't really have anything to say yeah. about the cast. I'll just point out a couple of folks. Um, Amber Mid Thunder is our our protagonist, Naru. Uh, she she's our hero protagonist in this film. She's been working for quite some time, mm-hmm. but it's like only just now that she's starting to get like juicy yeah. roles. Like <laughs> she has like waitress and like bank teller roles only a few years ago. She had a stretch of uh, Liam Neeson films <laughs> that Ooh, she was in. Oh, that poor girl. In, in very mm. well, I think it's because they were taking place in like New Mexico or something. Yeah, yeah. And she just she's she a native. Just yeah, happened to. She just was local or something, and it just worked out. But point is, she's coming to prominence, and the the positive reception of this film is very likely to get her a, a lot of good attention and a lot of better roles. But uh, interesting one is Dakota Beavers yeah. as a Tabe, her brother, who, as far as I know, is debuting in this film. And I found him to be a very naturalistic performer. Yes, I seem to remember reading that he was working at a TJ Maxx before uh landing this role so good you never hear it never happens <laughs> it's always nepotism <laughs> you never hear somebody just walking off the lot into a movie so really good for him yeah no he he really surprised me because like i would have thought he was a very experienced actor uh, just because of how how laid back and how genuine he seems on screen um and he also acquits himself himself quite well in the physical realm as well uh, I really liked both of them. I found them to be very charismatic. Uh, the camera absolutely loves her. Yeah. Uh, the the makeup and her the size of her eyes do her a lot of favors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she really commits to the physicality, and uh, I found her to be a very charismatic performer as well. So, uh, you know, the faces that we're stuck with for the majority of this film were were mostly in good hands, mm-hmm. thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the real star of the show, uh, for a lot of people on Twitter anyway, uh, is the pup is the pup kyle mm-hmm. uh, i think th- i think the dog's name is like coco sure um yeah i think it's i think it's coco the dog and the story goes because you, you can't be on twitter without seeing somebody repost the shit uh, f- like 50 fucking times a day uh, apparently the dog was adopted for the production so it's not a hollywood dog nice it was, it was a dog that the the production crew took in and trained specifically for the production so everybody's happy Really superb dog acting. Uh, the, the dog's name is Sari, I think, uh, and they are they are adorable. Well, we They're got wonderful. we got a <laughs> we got a scrappy cast here because another one of the actors, Stormy Kip, who plays Wasape, uh, also yeah. I think this is his first feature as well. Damn. Yeah. They, they really did their work uh, in the casting department yeah. because a lot of these people look they come across as very genuine. 
Uh, I liked I liked a lot of the like the hunting party. Like they had a certain vibe about them that just worked really really well. Or it's like mix of like kind of a little bit macho but also kind of laid back at the same time. It's it's very hard to pin down, but it worked out exceedingly well in this film. I thought Adam Beach was going to be in this movie uh, because I'm so glad he wasn't. I, I am too. I am too. Uh, this is not the movie for him. But I, the, when the one dude started talking, I'm like, "Is that Adam Beach?" And they're like, "No, no, that's somebody else." Um, but yeah, it, it is a good thing that he wasn't in those. I agree. No, th- I mean it's it's a mark of progress that we've moved past the quote three three natives in hollywood era yeah where it was at adam beach if you need a young native graham green if you need a, a jolly or wizened native and west studio if you need an evil native yes thankfully we have moved beyond that <laughs> you need an evil native <laughs> i mean he was typecast a lot I, i've never seen uh is it is he uh last of the Mohicans? he's the bad guy i think two of those three men are in that film <laughs> uh, yeah for sure uh <laughs> yeah anyway let, let's jump in let's jump in <laughs> yeah he does play the I, I think it was like blackfoot i think was the tribe uh, that he's a member of but yeah he's quote the evil <laughs> in the last of the mohicans which i will draw a parallel to uh in the form of the soundtrack um the soundtrack for last of the mohicans is uh, utterly iconic and parts of the score for this film bear some resemblance and you know it's a good thing to borrow from <laughs> yeah um anyway let's get to the movie yeah uh-huh. uh so we open uh with narration and uh this kind of introduces an idea but very quickly abandons abandons it uh the the native people that we're dealing with in this film are of the comanche tribe uh, and their language is used occasionally in the film uh there does exist a full-on comanche dub for the entire film front to back um, however, at some point in production, it was decided uh, they would use Comanche for like to punctuate moments or certain elements of communication in the film. Uh, but for the majority of the dialogue, we would be shot in English. Um, as I said, though, there is a full-on Comanche dub for the film. But basically, we have uh, an opening couple of lines of dialogue here that are uttered first in Comanche and then reiterated in English. Uh, so we're kind of reintroducing we're, we're introducing this idea here that we're going to be dealing with both but uh, this apparently was filmed I think uh, largely uh, Canada I think uh, Calgary but um, lots of beautiful landscape shots um, and we're introduced to Naru and uh, she's kicked awake by somebody <laughs> um, and this repeats a couple of times in the film and one one time I actually wasn't quite certain who did the kicking if it was imagined or or if or if it was another person of her tribe that was doing that but um what did you think of this opening sequence Kyle? did you take anything away from it what's the opening sequence i didn't take notes so i don't remember the opening sequence uh basically it's just uh there's a, a line as i said narration saying a long time ago it is said a monster came here and then we see the i guess the representation of that saying like where that saying came, came from um and uh, we get landscape shots of beautiful, beautiful wilderness, by the way. And uh, we see Naru waking up, and like uh, we get to see the camp that everybody lives in. Uh, we're introduced to the wonderful dog, and uh, we see everybody foraging uh, nearby in the woods. But Naru breaks off, and she's uh, practicing throwing a hatchet or a tomahawk oh, yeah, there we go. at a tree. Yeah, I do remember and, that. Uh, the sound design here I thought was really cool because. Uh, 
it's an idea that's not fully explored but um when she's when she's throwing this into the tree um the echo like it really emphasizes the the time period i guess where it's like we are in the woods uh so just the sound of something impacting a tree like would just carry you know not not like urban living where it's like there's so much noise all the time it was very interesting um and very quickly uh she happens upon a deer and we have a little bit of uh 1700s parkour where she's trying to hunt a deer with a with a hatchet oh yeah tomahawk. i don't yeah. know if you can you hunt successfully can you hunt a deer with a hatchet i feel like that is some serious skill i, I mean that was my perception of it it's like i don't know how that's gonna work out but uh she right. tries yeah um, and she gives chase but no she does not successfully uh, get the deer but this kind of becomes like this is introducing kind of the idea behind her character i guess is that this is this is something she is passionate about uh, we don't really know anything about her other than she sees a deer she wants that deer um and then very quickly um the doggo uh her dog sorry is uh, caught in a trap and she frees the dog from it and it be the visual language here suggests she has never seen this before yeah th this kind of threw me off when i started watching it because i didn't catch the exact date when we started this so when i see the bear trap i'm like huh I'm like why would they have a bear trap over there i'm like oh trappers uh we have uh white folks in north america uh trapping and i didn't realize that we were kind of that's going to be part of this story is that they're also being introduced into the landscape so they're kind of living the peaceful life and but oh no here comes the french it's actually kind of funny not to be that guy but i i did actually kind of call this a little bit uh before the movie came out <laughs> um i i had joked with a friend uh, because i actually didn't know the time period in which the film would be taking place um I had expected um, like Union soldiers, so po post Civil War era American soldiers, um, to to be involved and be like, I was p picturing a scenario where she and the Predator would be doing battle with the the Union troops, like somehow together in some way. Um, however, this film takes place in 1719, which would be quite a way before that. Um, but I, I did expect something like that to come up in the film and you know we got what we got and it works out really really well if you ask me um, I was expecting it to be cheesier actually but I thought it came together very cleanly but what I meant by the visual language is she frees the dog and the way she's like pondering the device the trap it it's strongly suggested she she doesn't know what this is in fact she tries to break it with a stone and it's made of metal and so it's it's not coming apart so she's stymied by it it's kind of like the the timing of of when this story takes place is very important to the proceedings where it's like this is all new information uh, including the fucking predator <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> um and then uh, the movie like kind of gets gets rolling in fact uh one one thing that's really neat about this movie is that it's actually surprisingly short it's uh, apparently 100 minutes and i think that's including credits um it it moves and i think that's very much to its benefit uh because the first predator film i think it's very easy to overlook just how slowly paced the first half of that movie is 
it takes its sweet fucking time uh, getting getting to what the movie actually is, and it works exceedingly well for that film because that is a very different film, and it was also the first film. Whereas this one has decades of franchise history and familiarity uh, going against it to the point that's like maybe maybe don't fart around, just get to it <laughs> because like ev- everybody who would be interested to watch this movie is not going to be surprised by when the alien shows up. It's like we all that's why we paid for our tickets or why we have our Hulu subscription because of the era we live in. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's very much the movie's benefit that it just gets going. But anyway, uh what I mean by gets going is she fails to kill the deer and then boom, spaceship or cloaked spaceship in the sky parting the clouds. Aliens here. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, damn. We're like 2 minutes in and we're already got the predator in a ship." Kind of similar to that first movie, where the first fucking shot, spaceship. It's like, if you forgot about it, it's understandable, being as he doesn't really show up for like a good hour or so. But trust me, it'll be cool when he does. And it's here that uh, we get the uh, the title uh, for the film, Prey. Uh, basically, we see Naru looking up into the sky, and then there's this cool tilt up where the, the title actually just like slides down into the frame, and then abruptly disappears. I thought it was very cheesy, but it really, really worked for me. I loved it. Um, and then we're introduced to Tabe, uh, who is telling a really boring story. <laughs> Naru, Naru, Naru's face is just like, I could not give a shit. Like, even in 1719, even without television or Game Boy or a cell phone, this this story is just doing nothing for me. Uh, but this this moment was demon- like effectively demonstrative of character, uh, because the two of them are holding their bows aloft, and there's like a hawk in the sky and he's telling the story and she's like training her bow on this hawk and he keeps talking and talking and talking and then he gets frustrated with her and he just shoots the hawk like effortlessly it's like he's such a great marksman that he can just do that but then she points out that she was picking her shot like she probably could do that it just as well as he could but the reason she didn't shoot it is because it was across a river meaning you'd have you would have to ford the river across the river in order to retrieve it and i thought that was really effective where it's like demonstrating that oh she uses her brain (laughs) and like if you've ever seen a predator movie that's the whole thesis Mm -hmm. is that the first predator movie is the most macho of macho macho men on the planet it doesn't matter <laughs> like, like the predator is physically and technologically completely superior to any one of them the only way to beat him is to outsmart him or to or to think outside the box uh yeah, Kyle, where do you want to go from here i was gonna say i noticed the way they they hold their bow and arrow like the way they actually shoot the bow their retracted hand is actually palm out like palm facing outward which i've I never noticed. Uh, I was always taught palm in, like fa- like palm to your face, basically. But they go palm out. I don't know if that's the style you use for this kind of bow. I just thought it was interesting, or maybe it's a bit, way to actually get. I don't know. Maybe you have a better handle on it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I don't actually know a lot about about shooting a bow, but I do know that they did have advisors on the set for this one, and I do know that folks like Joe Rogan are really big on native and comanche cultures and stuff and if they want to get his promotional bump for the movie it would probably be in their best interest to 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 do it right oh, I'm so sh- he'll talk about it and he'll prattle on on endlessly about it 
and promote the thing for free. Maybe they were. Just, he was just trolling him. He used to be like, "That's not how you're supposed to hold a bow." Well, as long as he's talking about it, that that's that's free publicity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has bows and native stuff from from a bygone age. He will talk about it. Yeah. I don't care to check if he did, but I know he did. Yeah, dude. I know he will. I mean, if he talks about it, his fan base will get it tattooed on them because it's that fucking important. So, yeah, this is probably mm-hmm. it's great news for this director. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, th- I think that was part of the promotion plan for the movie. It's like, so, uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> it's like, what can we put in here that would get him to talk about? It's like, well, let's get a bear in there. There's a, a deer. Of, no a archery. <laughs> no, I don't think it's an elk. We can't get elk in here, but I think we can get a deer in there. Can we get some psychedelics? No, this is not going to be a psychedelics movie. I'm like, okay, oh, shit. They, they missed their chance. Yeah. I mean, they do have herbs. They do have crushed flowers and stuff. They easily could have slipped some mushrooms in there, some some psilocybin or something. Oh, there is ground and pound. There mm. is like a little bit of native jujitsu in this movie. Yeah, I can. I, I secretly think this movie was crafted with like free promote, like free advertising budget through the joe rogan podcast yeah hey jamie look up what those how little... can we save money on marketing <laughs> hey jamie look up what those little flowers are we, we, i think those little flowers are supposed to work jamie look that up that's grossly inaccurate <laughs> <laughs> those are only those are only found on the eastern seaboard <laughs> yeah we're we're taking shots at the top dog of podcasting so uh we'll, we'll go back into our hole <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> nobody cares nobody cares <laughs> Oh, by the way, the last couple of Two Bears, One Cave has been... I was rolling with laughter on this last week's. Oh my gosh. I just had to say, if you haven't listened to it, folks, check out Two Bears, One Cave. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just just to make one more Jurassic Park reference, in in regards to, like, anybody who may have had a negative perception of this film, because I have seen some people, like, knock it here and there, because misogyny mostly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. In the words of Mr. Arnold, not that Arnold, different Arnold, it could have been worse, John. A lot worse. A lot worse. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, as far as Predator movies go, it could have been. We have seen it can it can be a lot worse. Yeah. Be thankful for what you got. Um, but yeah, I like this moment between, uh, it. it's made clear like a few scenes later, but these are brother and sister, uh, Naru and Tabe. Um, but what we learn here is that they're both very skilled um him i guess maybe arguably more so being as he's like the war chief uh later on in the film um but she's more patient and methodical and he even calls her on it later by saying she sees what he can't or what he does not she's more observant and more patient and that's that's where her strength comes from and uh she mentions here uh she's ready for katamiya uh which as far as i understand is like a rite of passage of sorts um, that I, I, I don't know these things. I, uh, this everything was taught to me by this movie. So if it's wrong, I'm sorry. It's the movie's fucking fault. Um, but the way I understand it is, it's a rite of passage, wherein I'm assuming you hunt a predatory animal, uh, because Tabe refers to it as hunting something that hunts you. So instead of like shooting a deer, it would be like going after a cougar, or a wolf, or something that that will fight back. Uh, like something that will try to eat you back, I guess. Um, so she she really wants to take on this 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 ritual or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's around here that we're uh, given an on-screen title indicating this takes place in the northern Great Plains, which 
I, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong American. I actually don't know what that region is. <laughs> um, but 1719 is the year it takes place in. And this was where there's a seemingly pointless shot that, that like, really started to make me think, this Dan Trachtenberg guy... I'm pretty sure he has a bitchin' like gaming PC with a racing chair <laughs> and a and like a Turtle Beach headset or something because this made me think of every video game, like every triple A video game, uh, with a third person camera mechanic of the past decade. Like this was like Red Dead Redemption Two or God of War or Horizon Zero Dawn or The Last of Us because it's literally just our protagonist walking away like the camera's just tracking her through the village and the way the cinematography is positioned you can like my brain was projecting the hud onto the frame where it's like where's her life bar where's her money <laughs> it's like there, there needs to be statistics on the screen like the framing is such that it's like it, it looks like a screenshot from a third person video game it, it it was truly bizarre to me because this is a tracking shot that goes on for a minute and very little happens, but it, it was so weird to me because it, it the visual language of it seemed so strongly attached to all the video games that just rattled off. But I think it's worth noting that all those video games that just rattled off are insanely popular and have been experienced by many, many people. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was done very, very intentionally. Um, and it's here that I think uh, she sits down with her mom. I think that's right. Um, and basically we have a situation where she's talking with her dog and she like gives some fish to the dog and mom uh it's funny actually the the whole opening chunk of this movie feels like a disney movie like am i wrong on that kyle no it's like you need to be a gatherer she's like well i want to be a hunter but yeah you're good at you're but you're good at being a gatherer like you should just do that and she's like well I'm going to do both, basically. That's what I took this conversation as. It's like, she's a bit of a tomboy. Like, she does, she's good at everything, but she's not as good as she wants to be at, the st at like, the rough and tumble stuff. Yeah, this is the not-like-other-girls chapter of the film. This is the, this is, I am no man, uh, to quote Return of the King. <laughs> this is Mulan, basically. Yes, Mulan. Yeah. Yes, I, I have never seen Mulan, but I know the general it, gist of it. It's that, yeah, it's this. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I, I think it's really interesting that it's like, th this is a Predator movie, correct? <laughs> it's yeah. like, why does this feel like, like Brave or Mulan or, <laughs> or so, like any number of Disney princess movies? Um, but I mean, it is a official, it's technically a Disney movie. I mean, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, basically her mom is like, hey, you're really good with the herbs and shit. You should stick with that because mm -hmm. like, that's your thing. Um but the uh, the hatchet that she has apparently was given to her by her dad, who I think is gone. Like he's passed away. Now he. Uh, but I guess uh, I read up on this. Uh, so he actually moved three towns over and started a whole new family. Uh, really, really sad when that happens. But yeah. Yeah, he stepped out for some cigarettes. Yeah, he stepped out. He stepped out for some tobacco, and then just never came back. <laughs> Yeah, so dad's out of the picture, and he left her this hatchet, which apparently her mom is trying to spin as being a tool for, like, grinding herbs. It's like, yeah, I don't think that's true. I think you're just saying that, because that very much looks like an instrument for harming people <laughs> but or, or creatures. Um, 
but yeah, mom doesn't want her to hunt. And a very important line, um, mom's like, why do you want to hunt and shit? And Naru responds, because you don't believe I can. Because you, as in the village, don't believe I can. So the the external pressures are kind of guiding her towards that. Um, and it's here that we, we see that the predator is like off the ship. He's now on the Earth's surface. He, uh, he does have a cloak, uh, just like we've seen every predator have. Um, although his cloak is a little bit different. Um, and I, I liked what they... Kyle, like, what did you think of the Predator tech in this movie? Because I was very happy with some of the decisions they made with, with the representation of the Predator tech in this one. Yeah, I couldn't really... I was trying to trying to figure out exactly what all he had. Um, he definitely has his heat vision. like You could see heat. Um, but I don't know if we get to see his vision without the helmet thing. I don't think we do. No. It's, it's not clear as what, what that's supposed to be. Um, he's got a few classics. He's got the net, which is important. He does have the net. Uh, I can't remember what else. He, he's definitely got his, his big knives. That's an, you got to have that. That's an important one. But um, And in this case, he has his little three-dot three laser thing, but it's uh, little steel arrows, basically, not, uh, not a gun. Yeah, I, I thought that was neat. Because uh, kind of like Prometheus um, and the derelict spaceship from the original Alien, like the idea is, it's like you know, it's the same species, same general technology, but time time changes te- technology. It, it's it's never static. Like it, it's never it never just remains stable. Uh, so it stands to reason that pred tech would evolve between 1719 and you know the late 1980s. Um, so the tools that he has at his disposal, while he has the ability to cloak and stuff like that, uh, he doesn't have a plasma cast, or he's not shooting, you know, laser holes in Jesse Ventura, and yeah, Jesse Ventura's ancestors' chest holes or whatever. Um, he, he mostly has, like, just metal melee instruments, um, and I was really happy with a lot of the tools he had. Uh, the shield, I thought, was a real showstopper. I thought that was a really cool idea, um... It like unfurls into like a fan um then he has the equivalent of like a combi stick that uh the predator in the second film had you know the spear the, mm-hmm. that uh, retracts uh into like a box um he has an equivalent to that but it, it darth maul style uh, splits in the middle so he can dual wield it um that was a lot of fun uh, he also has like some small like curved throwing daggers that he really marks some people with uh in that uh fog embankment sequence um and yeah the the spear the the uh, spear gun i thought was a neat idea it's a very it's a slightly lower tech version of something we've we're very familiar with but yeah uh naru is sent on an errand to re- retrieve a very important uh item in the form of a orange totsia uh that's apparently a flower that's used to uh cool your blood is the way they they refer to it basically it's it's a it's an anesthetic maybe um but yeah cool your blood is the important part because it it disguises you from the predator as we learn later um and then there's a development that actually very closely mirrors uh the first predator film although in a subtle way uh so as she's heading back to the village there's a commotion and we learn that a a lion as in a mountain lion or a cougar uh took someone by the name of puhi and what what goes from here uh is the catalyst for the plot of the original predator film which is a rescue mission 
in the first Predator film, it was, of course, you know, <laughs> he was all bullshit. <laughs> but in this one, it's like a legit rescue mission. So, but with, you know, Comanche instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger and his, his merry band of goons, uh, perverted goons. <laughs> but um, they assemble a, heart, a hunting party uh, headed by Tabe, uh, so that would be Nader's brother. And she invites herself along, and uh, he vouches for her. Like, all the other dudes in the hunting party, they're like, hey, get her out of here. What's she, come, what's she doing here? And he's like, hey, he doesn't ever refer to her as his sister, but he, he's, he's like, hey, she's, like, really good with herbs and shit. We should bring her along. And he's like, you better fucking do this right. You're going to make me look <laughs> bad in front of the dudes. <laughs> it's like, that's straight up what it is. Yeah. Um, and then we get a moment that this movie does occasionally. And when I, when I first saw it, my, my gut reaction, my, my knee-jerk reaction was very negative. But in retrospect, I, I get it. I, I know why it's here. And what I'm referring to here, Kyle, is uh, the animal action, uh, where we get to see some aminals deforced from the main plot of the film do some shit. Do you remember what this first little episode is? Uh, which one is, I can't, uh, uh, the folks with the animals or just the animals by themselves? animals by themselves oh yeah so animal shit let me go ahead and, and voice this right now i understand <laughs> that this movie needed to kind of rely on cgi for a lot of the stuff it would take too long it would be unrealistic to try to get real animals to do this stuff uh having said that the cgi was terrible in this movie for the most part I'm gonna. I am going to push past that and just. I'm. I just. I deal with that in this movie. Um, so I'm not gonna say anything bad about this scene because it's just one of those things. It's like suspension of disbelief. It's just like I'm going to just. I'm just going to accept that this is how this has to be delivered to me. I will not be giving that same courtesy to the Irishman um, because. <laughs> He could have literally just made the same movie with younger actors. Yes, yes, he could have. Um, but maybe maybe Marty Scorsese just wanted to play with some newfangled toys. You know, sometimes them toys, like like when there's new advances in technology and you just, you just want to play with the new toys, like sometimes you just got to take all that dump truck of money from Netflix and say, okay we're doing this he's like he's like i'm gonna dust off the atari i'm like bitch we've got ps5 now like you don't have to play that (laughs) uh so like not to completely derail us but like folks at home if you're not aware kyle i don't want to speak for you like like generally your your feelings on cgi are if you can if the the film can help it you'd prefer they not do it exactly i feel like if if you have no other choice use it 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 if you need to cut corners use it sparingly but in this case it's like how else are they going to do it this is how they have to do it yeah and and in the case of this film uh in terms of the animal stuff i'm sorry the the types of things they want these animals to do it's just not feasible to attempt to train a fucking snake to eat a fucking rat on cue with a very complicated camera movement. It, it's just not feasible. Yeah. Same goes for bears and cougars. It's like, yes, you could have some insert shots, but you know what makes your job harder? Is trying to match those insert shots of live animals 
with computer-generated animals and cut back and forth. You're going to disorient the viewer, mm-hmm. and it's going to it's going to make it hell for your animators. So the decision, I'm guessing, was made. It would just be easier. It would just be more efficient to, to do it in CGI. Now, I will fight you a little bit on the bear. I do think that... <laughs> I do think that we could he could have gotten a decent grizzly. I think that there's enough of this that you could have done an actual grizzly, but having said that, it would have been weird to see all the other animals in CGI. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't even need to say it. You you just wrapped it up. Is yeah. that that's that's the problem. Yeah. Is that if you just had one of those animals be real and then none of the others then me fucking it, weird. It, it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Um, but <laughs> it's not a good bear, though. I'll, I will say that. <laughs> um, the the bear from uh, the Wolverine, the the earliest, the early scenes of the Wolverine was better, I think. But a big part of that may be the fact that that was in the dark and in the rain, and as a result, I think the cougar ends up looking a lot better than some of the other animals in this movie, just because it has darkness and shadow to work with. Whereas the bear, it's just like flat outdoor lighting where it's like, oh, you can see every little mm-hmm. fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, just to conclude the thought, may as well do everything. Um, I had sent Kyle a thread I saw on Twitter the other day about just like people just going at it, like just ripping into each other about the CGI used for the the predator in this film. Um, and I, I, I was upset. I wasn't happy with what I was seeing there. I was like, man, people are, people get really upset about some of the wrong things, man. Because like, I I get it. It's like the the animatronic is great, but there's certain things that CGI is just a little bit better at. And to be fair, like those people probably didn't even watch the movie. They probably just watched that one clip because if you actually watch the fucking movie, you see the animatronic basically clean without CGI many times in the film yeah it's just for certain certain more expressive things that they have they need to have it do that it's just it's just what you have to do to get the effect correct well uh the trolls that were feeding aside uh if you're angry (laughs) if you're so angry over a movie that you're actually typing in characters on twitter about it go read the news you've got other things that you could be you could be screaming about on twitter (laughs) than, than the fucking than the prey movie (laughs) Nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a drop you need to get, Kyle. Uh, ogre from, from nerds. <laughs> exactly. I'll get, get it. that one on the soundboard. I'm writing it down. Um, yeah, please. Um, but yeah, this uh, this little aside we have with the the Animal Kingdom. Uh, uh, this is a Disney production, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a CGI ant crawling up the leg of a cloaked predator, which on paper that's fascinating like that's an interesting idea is you know it's it's a very tiny animal that would just crawl on its environment and it's like oh my the ground is invisible yeah. <laughs> it's like it's an ant it's not going to really object to it it's, just, it's like when an ant gets on you but it's, but you're invisible um and then the ant is promptly eaten by a mouse who in turn is promptly eaten by a snake uh-huh. <laughs> um yeah and then the snake is in turn killed by the invisible predator who skins the snake and rips its skeleton out because you know predators have a fetish about ripping spines and skulls out and Mm -hmm. you know what snakes are nothing but a skull with a spine (laughs) so basically basically he just rips them inside out um 
And I thought this didn't look very good, and I found it distracting. I find tinsel distracting, yes. Kyle. <laughs> um, but in retrospect, and, and I'll conclude the thought later, I, I kind of appreciate it. Like, I know what they're trying to say, and it is very blunt. It is very ham-fisted. But I, I, th- I think from a thematic standpoint, it actually does work. Um, so I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. But um, we cut back to the hunting party. Uh, and they find uh, Puhi, uh, who is the fellow who was taken by the, quote, mountain lion or lion. And uh, they very quickly make him a stretcher. And this was where, like, I started to notice a thing that this movie does. that It's, it's in its favor uh, as a narrative. Um, but it's a very curious thing, like, if you take two seconds to think about it. And this is probably something that the Joe Rogan podcast will go on and on and on about, um, is time. And, and how the way they take advantage of their editing tools to cut away large portions of what in reality would take hours. They, they build a stretcher by hand to, to carry him back to the camp. And we do see a, a day to night transition. So the, the passage of time is noted in the film, but the amount of actual screen time it occupies is seconds. But in reality, that would take a very long time. <laughs> And then later on, we see Naru build a rope like to, for her hatchet. And in the movie, it's just like, done. But in reality, she builds a rope yeah. <laughs> like from, from, from vegetation. It would take a very long time. But again, it's, it's to the film's benefit. It's just fascinating that it's like, when you think of like a, you know, a bygone era, you think of time somehow, like things just being a little slower, I guess. But anyway, uh, they make a stretcher. It takes all day. Uh, she gives him the orange totsia to, to slow his heart, apparently. And uh, Tabe actually goes back to hunt the lion. And uh, she tries to advise him. She's like, hey, uh, I don't get what just happened because he's injured. He doesn't appear to have been mauled by an animal. He just has two like very clean cuts <laughs> in his shoulder they look like uh was, they look he, like two foot long steel blades uh, about two inches apart maybe three it looks like the yeah he was just sliced by something that's probably seven feet tall i don't know it doesn't seem like a good idea to go out there and try to find this lion you know doesn't make any sense yeah yeah her bullshit detector's going off and she's thinking i don't think a lion attacked him Especially because if it was a lion, it probably wouldn't have just left him, you know, very, like, very badly injured, but very, very much far from death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't add up. So she's trying to, to warn him, but like I said, she notices things that he does not. Um, and she finds the, the dead snake, and it's a, it's a wiggly dead skin snake puppet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, I guess that's its, like, death twitch or something, but um, they... We, we actually, the viewer, we get to see the snake skeleton up in the tree. So the predator's, like, watching him. It's snooping on the hunting party. And uh, Naru goes back to Tabe, and uh, she's like, hey, I saw some shit. And uh, he's got tunnel vision about that lion. Though. And uh, this is where uh, the one other guy, Tabe and her, uh, they break off from the group to attempt to hunt and kill the lion. Yeah. Uh, at, at, quote, its lair, which is a big old tree in a clearing. And, uh... Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, does she, she does she spill out the plan, like what the plan's gonna be, or do they just kind of chat for a minute and then 
she's like i've got a plan and then it cuts to the plan uh tabe and the other fella they they want to just go in guns blazing or, or bow, bows and arrows is blazing yeah um and she's like uh <laughs> maybe we should think about this yes <laughs> objection um her plan is to hang some bait so like take a, a animal carcass of some sort hang it from the tree wait till it comes to the tree attack it from an elevated position get the jump on it and they're like yeah that makes sense <laughs> like yeah what she said um and tabe's like yeah uh this is your opportunity like that katamiya thing that you were talking about at the beginning of the film yeah let's, let's do that for you uh it's a big deal um anyway they actually carry out the plan and uh the other dude that's with him he starts talking some shit yeah like he's terrible to her and he's like trying to play up how dangerous the cougar is and how she's gonna choke he's like yeah you're totally gonna choke like what good is a spear if you can't even throw it yeah uh <laughs> this guy is suffering from what uh, i think a lot of men uh well not a lot of men. there's a, a significant amount of men uh suffer from is that um a woman being better at you than at, better than you at something um i'm gonna i'm gonna break it down for you guys um there are women out there that are smarter than you uh that can beat the shit out of you and uh make more money than you and no amount of anger is going to change that so just accept that come to terms with it and let the woman lead the movie okay go for it yeah yeah let, let the wookie win <laughs> <laughs> let the woman win yeah. well don't let her win allow allow her to celebrate her victory yeah. and if and if if she can't beat you up she can kill you with her words as we learned from the uh from the northman so there you go Oh yeah, she could verbally tear your nuts off and jam them down your throat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've seen it happen. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's not pretty. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very appropriate, by the way, that you just delivered that spiel, and they happen to be in a tree, which may as well be a tree fort. <laughs> it's like, get out of my room. This is a boys only. It's tree. a boys only. <laughs> this is the uh, oh. oh yeah. It's the password. The the he man woman haters. Is that what it is? And little rascals. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. feed women to alligators. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> wow, you remember that. I watched that movie a lot. Yeah. It was... Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I saw that one more than once. Um, but it, was it good? Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was great. Kids okay. acting like adults the whole movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those kid power movies were special. I was also fascinated by the Macaulay Culkin looking rich kid in that movie. Who has the musical number with Darla? You may not remember. No, <laughs> don't remember. I mean, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that was Alpha Alpha. But no, no, no. That's that's uh, that's Bug Hall. He played Alpha Alpha. Um, no, this kid. Uh, he's Jesus. <laughs> no, this kid. So he, for some reason, like a few years later, uh, like on a Sunday morning, for I, my grandparents just like had a catholic mass i think on tv and this kid was singing a, a, a song and this kid can fucking sing like he is he is hitting the notes i'm gonna try to find that video because it's always just kind of it's one of those things that just occasionally pops in my head i'm like man that kid could fucking sing but that's his that's his shtick in that movie too um okay but yeah this is yeah, where we're out the room is now dumber yeah <laughs> chinese bamboo it's very strong uh, so we get her out on the ledge here, uh, having to fight this mountain lion. Yeah, so she has to fight this lion because that dude who was talking some shit... Gets fucking murked. Yeah. Yeah, a cougar heard it, thought he was talking about the, the cougar. <laughs> okay, kill him! Yeah, uh, he... Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> he dies as fuck. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, he gets wrecked by this cougar. Uh, but then it very quickly, like, scales the tree, and they have a, a, a standoff. Like, this is like a good old chicken fight on the schoolyard, um, on the balance beam. Hey, Jamie, do you think do you think you could fight a cougar? I feel like I could fight a cougar. What do you think? You think you could do it? No, nah, I'd probably fuck you up. No, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'd totally bust a Kimura on that cougar. <laughs> yes. No, if you got it into a headlock... A f- an, or even a near uh, uh, a rear naked uh, chokehold, <laughs> uh, you could probably do it. No, sorry. Yeah, is it going to be a gogo pot or an oma pot? Or take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, uh, she she has this little encounter with this cougar, and it it pounces, and she the branch kind of fall, like breaks under her, and we see her actually jam the spear into its side, uh, and it misses her, and she falls and hits her head, and she passes out. Yeah. Um, and she wakes up in her mama's tent back at the village. And uh, a couple moments later, Tabe shows up carrying the fucking lion on his, on his shoulders. Uh, so he killed the lion while she was passed out. Although we did see she poked it. So she helped. She helped. Um, and there's this moment here, this little episode, where the sound dips out as the entire village is... Uh, praising Tabe for having killed the lion that hurt one of their tribesmen and then he he gets promoted to war chief who as far as I understand the person who held that distinction uh, earlier in the film was injured or something we don't actually see it uh, play out in the film but point is uh, he's now the big cheese uh, when it comes to <laughs> all things all all things war and hunting he's the big cheddar um, the big papa pump he's the big dog <laughs> I want to see Tabe do the Scott Steiner math. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Big Papa Pump, is that is that a professional wrestler? Yes. That's Scott Steiner, Kyle. God damn it. It's I hate how much wrestling is in my brain, and I watched it for like a year. I watched it for a year of my life, and it's just, it, it's just fucking in there, man. Ugh. Yeah, it, it cultural osmosis, Kyle. It's a thing, Oof. you know. Like you just you just absorb things that are in your orbit. You must have had a lot of wrestling fans like at your schools or something. It just like it was in the air and it just absorbed through your pores, dude. I like, agree. Whether up, you wanted to or not, it got in there, dude. I grew up around some trash, so yeah, uh, for sure. By the way, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> snapped into a slim gym. Uh, the kid from uh, the kid from uh, uh, fucking Little Rascals is Blake McCoy. Driver Ewing, and I sent you the video of him singing. Uh, so you have it. Um, I will treasure it always. Yeah, you do that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, brother's the big dog, and she's not really happy. You know, she's just like, "Fuck this bitch!" Like I'm the. One- this was my idea. I got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I should have been there. And uh, she kind of huffs off, and he's like, "What's up? What's wrong? What happened?" She's just like, "You're getting all the praise. Like this is. I mean, good job, whatever." And he's like, "But." you just maybe you're not cut out for this you know like you you kind of fell and knocked yourself out that's that's not a that's kind of amateur and he has kind of a shitty line here where he's just like you know what no you you didn't help i'm the one that actually took care of this shit and yeah yeah, we revisit this later, but in the moment, yeah, he's kind of a shit heel there. Yeah, um, he's pretty bad to her. But um, this moment is really played up as like very hurtful to her, mm-hmm. because like I said, the, all the sound is dropped out, and we're we're like doing a lot of close-ups of her looking pretty salty while she's watching her brother get this really beautiful honor. 
Um, but yeah, from her perspective, she's pissed. Um, and it's here where I, I noted that she gets kicked awake again. Mm-hmm. And we see that, I, I think the first time it happens, it was her brother. But this time, they deliberately show that he's sleeping in the tent with her. Yeah. Um, so, And we see someone walking away, but I don't know who that was, and the movie never tells us. So I don't know if that was imagined, or like if like she was projecting a presence there, or if that was the chief, or, or what that was. It might be how her dad used to wake her up, because I've definitely... I think so. I've definitely woken up in my apartment away from my wife, where I wake up... And I've had like her, like I felt like she was nudging me, or I felt like I heard her say my name. I've actually heard my dog bark. Like had that hallucination before I woke up. I'm like what? Oh, they're not even here. Um, so yeah, I think it might be because yeah, we're never explicitly told who is who is doing it. I think you're right, and I think it's also worth noting this movie is a hundred minutes long and was conceived being shot in an entirely different language at one point mm-hmm. it stands to reason changes were made and i would not be surprised at all if there was an earlier cut of the movie a longer cut that maybe had more of a daddy thing about her doing it for dad or something but i'm actually glad that we don't do that yes and let me ask you a question here um i didn't catch anything and i wanted to commend this uh director on this um I didn't see any like Native American magic spiritualism going on in here, which is something we really suffered from in the 90s in our TV shows and our movies. It was bad. Uh, try rewatch. It was rampant too. <laughs> try try what, dude. There are no less than three X Files episodes that I have to like. Nope, we're getting right past this. I mean, Walker Texas Ranger is also just just riddled with it. But I didn't catch any of it in here. Did you? No. No, no. This, the presentation of this is very straightforward. It's it, like this is this is a culture. This isn't mysticism well, or hokum. This it, is just these are just people with with their own distinct culture and language. It also works to the advantage uh, for writing because they don't believe her. Because as she starts to see things, they're like, "You believe in that old crap? Like you believe in those old tales or whatever it is?" Uh, so it actually works better that way. Yeah, actually, to jump all the way to the end, um, I really like the ending credits of the movie. Uh, the front credits, like they do for like Marvel movies and stuff. I don't know if you've watched that, I but that was know. really cool. Um, and in, in addition to that, also, um, just the, the design of the Predator in this movie um, feels like it almost plays into like myths and legends a little bit. Because like the skull mask visage that this one carries feels like something that would find its way into like historical lore of some sort it mm-hmm. feels like something somebody would imagine they saw in the woods and it you know it spiral out into myth and legend but um yeah I, I think you're right though that this is maybe a projection of like a father figure or something because mm-hmm. the movie deliberately does not tell us who's doing it and it, i i want to say it's something that there was greater emphasis put on in a different cut of the movie but as it stands we gotta go mm-hmm. and i actually much prefer it this way um by the way, CGI baby in a backpack. I <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Um, and uh, this is where we get to see Naru uh, do the same walk we saw earlier when she was kind of walking through the village. Although this time, she's walking the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. All the other ladies, they're walking that way. She's breaking the mold. She's going this way. But yeah, uh, she takes off into the wilderness because she, as Kyle had said, uh, she 
firmly believes that there is something else out there. And I'll, by the way, I didn't note it, but um, when the cougar is getting ready to pounce on her, she actually does see the predator. It howls, mm-hmm. and she sees it off in the distance, cloaked, but she sees something, and she's seen its tracks Dude, also. It's like a fucking Tyrannosaurus rave over there. She's, like, fighting off the cougar, and then, what the fuck? Yeah, it's... Yeah, and it's got, like, swirling red lights and shit. He's going, he's fucking Darude Sandstorm out there in the woods. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, uh, he's, he's having fun over there. I don't know what he's doing, but he's having a good time. I mean, with, with you know, he's, he's got his long flowing locks. He's got his red flashing lights. I wouldn't, he's got two, he's got a spear that can break down into two sticks. All you gotta do is set those sticks on fire, and hey, you got some juggling fire sticks. You got devil sticks. Devil sticks. <laughs> <laughs> devil sticks. <laughs> Uh, but we have a travel montage where she goes off a traipse in through the wilderness and uh, she finds Predator Blood, which, if you don't know, Predator Blood is neon green. It's been a thing <laughs> since day one. She also finds its gigantic fucking tracks. Um, and now uh, we cut to another one of those uh, interludes wherein we see what the Predator's up to, but we also see what's going on in the Animal Kingdom because, again produced by disney <laughs> uh, we need animal shit in this because uh animals are statistically proven to be a selling point among young people um so we get to see a rabbit being stalked by i think a is it a coyote or a wolf uh, it's probably a coyote because joe rogan won't shut up about coyote yeah uh, yeah it's definitely it's, I'm, telling, I'm telling you this was strategic kyle this this was clever yeah <laughs> uh i believe this was a coyote uh i it didn't seem big enough to be a wolf. I think coyotes are a little more, uh, a little more nimble. I think they can handle getting a rabbit a little bit better than a wolf. I feel like wolf go for bigger stuff. Yeah. Hey, Jamie, have you ever read Coyote Nation? <laughs> you should totally read Coyote Nation. It's a wonderful book. Yeah. You learn a lot about coyotes. They're here. taking over the country. <laughs> Most versatile animal in the country. <laughs> they're like cockroaches, but they're dogs. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think it's ah! yeah. <laughs> It's his world, man. We're just living in it. <laughs> yeah, we're just nip- we're just feeding off the table scraps. We're trying to anyway. Please, please, somebody build us a Patreon. <laughs> um, so uh, this one is a rabbit being stalked by a coyote, and we see that the predator is snooping on. He's just observing from afar, and uh, the coyote gives chase and it actually gets the rabbit in its maw mm-hmm. and then the predator steps in and he fucking shoryuken <laughs> he tiger uppercuts this coyote I feel a woozy yeah. yeah you just I mean the the way he gets up yeah <laughs> he is not looking great <laughs> no fucks up his shit I was totally shocked that you know usually animals operate very much by the the fight or flight instinct mm. after that I'm sorry, you gots to go. Just get out of there. <laughs> well, I mean... If, Kyle, from the perspective of this dog, the he got uppercutted by the wind. He would have... He, <laughs> I feel like he would have taken off running, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense that he's going to... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if a sudden gust of wind hits you squarely in the jaw and knocks you into the air, and then you look up and you're like, what? Where is it? There's not even a thing to look at. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this predator just totally destroys this coyote because, are you surprised? Yeah. Um, yeah uh, and I was actually kind of surprised. Again, Disney production, it, it's a coyote, I think, or a wolf, but point is it's a canine that we see die on screen and we see depacketated. That's fine. You- with its spine ripped up. 
You can kill those, man. They don't like you. They don't like us. They don't want to. They don't want to <laughs> hang out, dude. Okay, and yeah, folks at home, it's important to note Kyle is a dog lover. He is a dog owner. Um, and I, I always throw this out there whenever we talk on like about animal violence in movies. There is some fucking animal violence in this movie. Yeah, so if, if seeing bad things happen to animals really sets you off, maybe don't watch Prey. It's not. It's not real. That that's why it doesn't bother me. Um, that it. I was trying to explain to my mom. She had never seen the never-ending story. I don't know if you, oh. you know what I'm talking about then. Uh, yeah, I do. That <laughs> scene haunts me with that poor horse because it's just a horse actor doing his job, but it's just like the impact it has on you as a child. It's like, I know the horse is fine. That horse lived. He's dead now, but he lived after that. <laughs> but that was painful. This is just like, it's kind of like what, uh, have you ever seen the show Friends? But like, Chandler doesn't cry at movies and like haven't you ever seen Bambi and they're like didn't that make you sad he's like yeah I was sad when the guy stopped drawing the deer so it's like same here it's just like yeah he stopped animating the coyote so I'm fine okay that's fair also it's likely a regional thing but I don't imagine a lot of people I think a lot of people think of coyotes as nuisances rather than dogs Trevor they are they are a nuisance (laughs) See, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm from Seattle. We only just now got them, like, five minutes ago. <laughs> so I don't have as much of a background. But I want to say in certain parts of the country that are more familiar with these guys. I feel like some big... Probably, they probably clapped at this part of the movie, honestly. I think there were several uh, metropolitan areas during the pandemic that they walked outside and they're like, is that a fucking coyote? It's like, because nobody's driving. Everybody's quarantined. So, yeah, I'm sure that they were just like, yes, they're not. They're not not making those loud noises anymore. We could just, like, go in here. There's raccoons and possums all over the place for us to eat. That's a very good point. Also, you know, people with small animals uh, probably have some experience with losing said small animals to coyotes. So, uh, yes. Yeah, that would inspire feelings of hatred, I would imagine. We lost our um, my childhood dog. We believe that she was taken by a coyote. So, fuck those motherfuckers. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Kyle. I didn't mean to thanks peel for, back that scab. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Uh. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> Kidding, it's fine. I Supposed to be a fucking celebration podcast. Uh. Here we go, getting into I, I'm the one that brought uh, it up. Drink up, this boo-boo. All right. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, the predator kills the coyote, and uh, we cut to Naru attempting to hunt a rabbit of her own, and she keeps missing with her tomahawk or her hatchet. She just can't get it right. Uh, so she decides to... Again, fabricate a rope out of a nearby vegetation, and uh, very quickly she puts this together to serve as like a tether line, so she can quick she can mule near her hatchet essentially, uh, so she can retrieve it quickly. She can just yank it back, um, and uh, we get some uh, Conan the Barbarian style off-screen animal killing, where she we just see her shoot a look at some rabbits, and then the next cut is her wearing said rabbits. It's pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, she cooks. The, she cooks the rabbits, feeds her dog. Good dog acting. Uh, we're up in the mountains. Predator cleans the coyote skull using, uh, like it's like, it's kind of like the magic goo from Predator Two, but like an aerosol. So it melts the skin mm-hmm. off of the coyote's head and like makes a clean-ish skull. I don't think they perfected the formula yet because no. it's it's kind of. It's not great. Yeah, they, <laughs> it's like you really want to hang that as a trophy. Yeah, he doesn't it's still wet. He doesn't get that Predator Two glossy finish that he has. Yeah, it's not quite there. 
Yeah, you don't you you don't get the predator nails on the skull like in the first one. That's <laughs> one of the problems I had with this predator is this predator doesn't have personality. Like the first predator, like his interactions with uh, with like Arnold, like he starts to get a little bit of a character. Like when he has his confrontation with him, um, and even Predator Two, like we see him doing the full med kit, which was kind of an interesting thing. It's one gripe I have with this is like we don't. We don't really get this predator's personality as much. Uh, I was fine with it because, uh, just to share, the code name for this predator is the feral predator. Mm. Um, every predator on film has had a code name. Uh, to some extent, like I think one was called the wolf. One was like hawk or hawker or something. Uh, city hunter, I think, was from the second one, which is apt being as it takes place in a city and it does some hunting. The urban. Uh, this one's called the. Yeah, the urban jungle. Uh, I think that was the name of a video game back in the day. <laughs> uh, no, concrete jungle. Concrete jungle. There you go. That was the name of that game. Uh, um, but yeah, this one's called the Feral Predator, um, and I kind of got that vibe. Like he seems dumber and more, <laughs> more no, like he's more of a blunt instrument. Like he's he's not as clever. He's not as strategic. Mm-hmm. He, he's pretty prone to just like wading into battle with w- the biggest thing in the room he, he operates by jailhouse mentality where it's like biggest dude in the room he's got to he's got to clock him on the chin so he can get that respect uh and that's certainly not the case with a lot of the other predators we've seen they're a little bit more cerebral they're a little bit more patient and uh to get back to what you said about the personality though um i think the major distinction is that um we had an actor playing the predator in the first two films uh, kevin peter hall was a man of great stature but he was also an actor um and he brought a sense of theatricality to his movements like the unmasking mm-hmm. the, the tenting of the fingers that that rolling of the fingers is like, utterly iconic well like, if you ever think for, of a predator taking off its mask you... <laughs> no but really like that was very calculated the way he settled his fingers on the mask he he looked in the mirror he saw how the the nails worked and how the gloves worked and he looked at the contours of the mask and he was like, how can I make this look cool? Mm-hmm. And he made it look great. And also, the construction of the animatronic head, the Predator in the first two films and virtually all the Predator films, except for this one, the way the eyes are set in the mask is typical human orientation. And a big thing with the Predator, especially in the first one, was that he was incredibly expressive. Like the way he would use his eyebrows and his eyes... I love that moment when he's in the, in like the little di- like ditch with Arnold, and Arnold's doing the command. I'm right here. Come on, do it. Kill me. Kill me. I'm here. Do it. I'm and familiar he with sees the, scene. the spike. <laughs> he sees the spike, and the predator just shoots him this look where he like looks up, and then he looks at Arnold, and he like look. He's like, <laughs> it's he's like, like a no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, true. you dirty rat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you dirty rat. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. This this predator doesn't have that kind of personality. Yeah, this one's played by uh, Dan DeLigro, uh, who's apparently a. Uh, I don't think he was an NBA basketball player, but he is a international basketball player. Uh, he's six foot nine. Um, point is, he's an athlete uh, and an actor second. Although he is racking up some serious credits when it comes to man in monster costume being, credits, being tall, yeah, uh, he, yeah. No, he's putting that he's putting that stature to to work. Um, but yeah, I thought he he performed ably. I just think the presentation of the character was they were going with something different. 
Um, but we'll we'll get to more of that, I guess, as we go along. But Did you know, The Walking um, Dead was on for fucking twelve years. Jesus, <laughs> eleven. Seasons. I was not That's aware insane. of that. Sorry, he was in an episode of The Walking Dead. I was just seeing his credits. I'm like, my God. Anyway, wow. Sorry. Uh, so it's at this point in the movie where Naru, uh, she comes across a field of skinned buffalo. Yes. Um, which which is gruesome to behold. Um, I'm sure the uh, uh, makeup effects crew really went above and beyond to make this look as gnarly as possible. Um, and she says a prayer for the fallen buffalo. And uh, we see that it has like a bullet hole in its forehead. Uh, so we all know what's coming like we all know who did this it was not the predator um, we can figure that out and i think she also finds like a cigar yeah or maybe a, a powder a powder casing of some sort yes yeah, i didn't catch the bullet hole to the head but i saw the cigar and i'm like wait is that a cigar i thought maybe it was a stick at first but then there's another one later it's like oh no that's a cigar for sure um but yeah i thought this might have been the predator but i'm like well this doesn't make sense this isn't his mo like this isn't something that he would do really he would rip its spine out and this is also a, a herbivore so it's not going to be a predator yeah and it's really cool how that plays into the habits of this particular predator which uh, I'm, i was really i was really pleased with how they presented that like i was really pleased with the the hunting pattern for this predator it came together really nicely and it plays into the title of the movie which worked really well for me but um speaking of which we see that the predator is tracking her uh, it sees her tracks um, because it had heard her dog earlier. But um, the sinkhole, Kyle. We talked about this pretty recently. Now, uh, Kyle and I both saw the live-action Jungle Book movie back in the day. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever seen that movie, uh, you will you will know what it feels like to grow up expecting quicksand and sinkholes to be around every corner mm-hmm. um, in your in your adult life. Um, because that scene, very much like uh, the horse, I think it's Artax um, from The NeverEnding Story, very similar, is incredibly traumatic. Yes. <laughs> when that fat man, when that portly gentleman goes down in that quicksand, that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was pretty brutal. Uh, you should, folks at home, if you haven't seen The Jungle Book, but the one with uh, Jason Scott Lee, you should you should check it out. Oh yeah, no. The, the, I actually would very much like to check out that whole movie because I only remember that scene. I would like to uh, go back and revisit. I, we should do some live-action Disney movies from the '90s. I feel like that could be a fun. That could be a fun revisit. Yeah, I would be totally down for that because most of those I I have fragmented memories of, but I remember them being of generally like a pretty good quality. Yeah, three, and I like Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, Three Musketeers. That's a live action uh, live action Disney movie from that era. That's a fantastic movie. Yeah, folks at home. Yeah, folks at home if you're not aware, that was one of the earlier episodes that Kyle was most excited to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic episode. You should definitely check it out. But yeah, uh, Naru falls into a sinkhole here and it's it's pretty well put together. The scene is genuinely tense. Uh, she manages to fish herself out though with her tethered hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um and we see that the predator is still tracking her and it actually visits the site of the buffalo and it's interesting here because like in retrospect it's like oh maybe when he when he happened upon the buffalo this is where his wheels started turning too where it's like for her it's just like a a really grim grim thing to behold but for him it's like an opportunity where it's like ooh, i wonder who did this it's like because that's why i'm here is to fuck shit up um 
but yeah, uh, she gets out of the quicksand, like we said, and she gets super fucking clean, by the way, <laughs> just by hanging out at a stream for a few minutes. Um, and uh, this is where we get the bear, Kyle. Uh, so she happens upon a bear, a CGI bear. <laughs> yeah, and I think she's uh, uh, downwind. No, upwind. She's upwind of the bear. And I think the bear ends up catching her scent. And he's just like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, I'm going up there to get you. Um, yeah, this scene was pretty good. Uh, not a great bear, but this scene is... <laughs> The scenes they it's still a pretty intense scene. Like there's there's some hustle here where it's like, oh shit, like this is this is bad. Yeah. It's well choreographed and well edited. Um but the the edge this is not. No. Um so yeah, the CGI bear it gets a whiff of her, and by the way, Joe Rogan would, would be like, Oh, it's upwind. It's downwind. <laughs> See it's it's, totally it's not actually you can't actually tell because it's not done well if it's actually a grizzly or a Kodiak. Uh Kodiaks tend to be a little bit bigger and shorter than grizzlies. Uh they're more stout. Uh fucking god damn it. Number one fucking uh he's a fucking fucking sausage man. <laughs> Just, yeah, he, dude, he just, is turning into a meatball. He is literally turning into. He's a, a, no, no, he's he is a sausage casing with a face painted on it. He looks like shit. I don't know what is happening to him. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. Number one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, point is, the wind blows her scent towards the bear. I don't know if it's upwind or downwind. I don't have a Jamie. Well, I, I am the Jamie well, and the host. <laughs> I'm gonna say because the bear gets her scent, uh, so he's like, "Yes, yeah, yes." It has a fresh kill, right there. It's like, oh, I, I smell somebody else. I gotta fuck them up, mm-hmm. and it will not let her go. No, like, like it chases her up and down the block, and just will not let it go. It chases a dog. It chases dog back to her. It chases her like this. This bear is out of control. Yeah, he needs to chill out. And she runs, which is a mistake. I mean, there's like honestly, there's like no getting out of this. It's like bears can climb really fast. Bears can run crazy fast. Bears can run crazy fast in water. I guess that was her best bet was to go into water. But uh, yeah, she manages to make it to a beaver dam, which is not exactly the place I'd want to go. I mean, I guess I'd rather deal with a beaver than a bear, but beavers are also ornery. And uh, uh, I remember my, uh, I had a, um, oh, I took like an Ice Age class in college. And the professor was talking about, uh, I'm going to do an impression of him, you've never heard him. Uh, but he was like, I was swimming by a beaver dam and I was going by the beaver dam. And I've, I have beavers just swimming in between my legs, you know, they would just kind of swim by. He's like... I had a guy that I knew who ended up getting bit by a beaver on the inside of his leg, and he bled to death. So I didn't even know about it until after I was done swimming with beavers. So now, after he's told me this story about his friend dying from, or a guy that he knew getting bit in the inside of his leg and bleeding to death, I see her going for this beaver dam. I'm like, well, that's fucking dangerous. <laughs> you got to watch out for those beavers, man. But let's, let's keep this in perspective. She's being chased by a bear. I think I'd rather deal with the beavers. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take my chance with the beaver. Yeah. But yeah, different movie. She gets bit on the leg and bleeds out. Roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> Get that guy on the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm sure he has lots of dire circumstance stories in the wilderness. So I got bit on the leg. 
by Beaver. Uh, <laughs> I played out. I got better though. <laughs> he, he smoked a pipe, and then if he didn't have his pipe, he would rip the filters off Marlboro lights and smoke them filterless. Yeah. That's what you call an enthusiast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so she takes refuge in this uh, beaver dam. And uh, what happens from here is a we get to see a predator throw hands with, with the fucking bear. Mm-hmm. And this was not something I ever expected to see on film in my lifetime. But it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we get to see a predator body slam a bear. We get to see a bear maul an invi- a still very much invisible predator. So it kind of looks like a bear's <laughs> a bear's fighting a cloud of invisible bees or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but just like Winnie the, the Pooh. The, the, the uh, but the real kill shot here is uh, they separate for a second. The bear is like triumphant. He's doing the that's right. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. He's doing the John Goodman walk from arachnophobia. Uh, but then the predator gets up and is like, hey, we're not done yet. So the bear gives chase and runs straight at him. And the predator just uncorks a right cross from hell. Yeah. And just, I think he, I think he killed him. I think he killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I think he killed him. Yeah. Like, you punched him, you punched him in the jaw and he separated his spine from, from his skull. Should have heard your brother squeal. But I broke his fucking neck. Yeah. <laughs> Carl the bear. <laughs> uh, and then he straight up military presses this this bear. Yeah. I don't know if it's a grizzly or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. He uh, yeah, he just military presses him right up, which is dude. That's some that's some serious upper body strength. That's that's yeah. That's some Brian Shaw shit. Yeah. No no joke, man. That, that's he he ultimate warriors this bear he doesn't drop him thing well no he does drop him uh, <laughs> about as gracefully as the ultimate warrior would drop people too um but the uh he slits the bear's uh torso open and just like ba- literally bathes in this bear's blood yeah. so like i said this this predator uh is a little bit more straightforward than your average predator yeah he's in it for the glory of combat and killing the predator watched the so he, the predator watched the edge before he went out that day and he's like today i'm gonna kill the motherfucker <laughs> well yeah he's like i think i can do better than an old man and alec baldwin who's kind of in shape but not really yeah <laughs> alec baldwin on the backslide <laughs> um but yeah uh, he he wrecks this bear and uh naru takes off she swims down downstream um, and the search party from her village finds her. Cause so they actually did go out to look for her and they find her and she, uh, does not want to come back to the village. They're like, Hey, you're doing, you're not, you're not knowing your role. Like, mm-hmm. like, like you got to get back. Um, and she tries to take off and they won't let her. Uh, and they actually get into a little bit of a melee. They, they have fisticuffs. Um, and this is where we get to see some native jujitsu. We get to see some ground and pounding. Uh, we get to see some closed fist punches uh, into a woman's nose, which is pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, uh, but long story short, uh, they do kind of di- disarm her and uh, tie her up. Like they tie her arms behind her in front of her. Um, and we see that the predator, now finished with the bear. Uh, is watching her mm-hmm. um, and watching them and, and keying in on all the spears and the bows that they all have. Um, and then it the predator spooks a possum, which they promptly shoot, and they have a good laugh at how easy that was. 
Um, and this is where we get to see some Predator versus Comanche violence. And this was this was a pretty cool sequence. It was right? pretty one-sided, if you ask me. You know, I mean, he hasn't even decloaked. Like, he's, he's still not even shown himself. Yeah. He just, like, jumps into the fray and starts wrecking shit. But we get some tasty kills here. Yeah, because she tells them, it's like, uh, it's a fucking demon. They're like, no, no, it's not a demon. Uh, but yeah, the... How do they all die here, Trevor? So the first guy, he gets uh, the the triangle red dot uh, pattern shot onto him. Yes, uh, but seventeen nineteen, never seen a predator movie before, never seen a laser before. Uh, he's just puzzled, and then it, it shines in his eye, um, uh, and then he is shot with three long ass metallic darts. So this is where we learn. Ah, this predator does have the laser sight, but it doesn't shoot lasers. It shoots darts. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's dead. Um, and then the other the other fellows in the hunting party, they get into a melee with it and use their bows and their spears and stuff to try to fight him. Um, and one dude gets like his arm sliced off, Carl Weathers style. He gets eviscerated. He gets depacketated. Uh, my favorite was when the predator lops a dude's legs off plural uh, below the knee and then impales him against a, a tree stump like all in one fluid motion mm-hmm. so like before he can even hit the ground i was like fuck <laughs> this predator is like feral is a good a good title for him because he is he's very savage um and he is prone to just like wading into groups of people and just laying waste to them um and then we cut to the long grass uh, so don't go into the long grass, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, Naru runs into the long grass, and uh, there's one survivor out there uh, that f- he fled as soon as the fighting started. Good job, buddy. Yep. Uh, actually, I think he had to pee. He had to pee, he had to go pee. so he was absent. Yeah, he didn't get eaten by Comsignathus. Uh, he uh, he had to go pee, um, so he was spared. Um, anyway, uh, he gets taken out. Uh, she, We see Naru uh, has seen the laser sight enough times at this point that she's come to understand you don't want to be in the path of that (laughs) Um, so she she manages to like prevent him from being shot um but he get he gets just tackled and ripped shreds (laughs) because the predator is like what's interesting about this predator is that it's they do a really good job of showing it as being supremely badass but they almost push it a little too far to the point that's like I don't know how I don't know how you're going to justify your beating this thing yeah. <laughs> because it's it it's shown to be capable of military pressing a bear uh capable of straight up just like out out wrestling and out muscling a bear. Yeah. I mean, um, it can out it can outrun a person easily with ease. It took seconds for him to overtake him. Yeah, I mean, I I can barely bench press a bear, let alone military press it. <laughs> so, yeah. You know that this thing is strong, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the point is, like, physically and technologically, it's shown to be so far beyond that it's like, I this is this seems almost insurmountable. Because, like, the first Predator movie, like, I know the whole point is that muscles don't matter. But, you know, if you're built like Arnold, it, like, it makes it more believable that he could at least take a punch from the thing when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, a hundred pound woman, as soon as he choke slammed her, it's like, that's kind of it, you know? <laughs> like, like, but, you know, it's a movie. 
and it's also a pretty good movie. I'm just being weird about it. But anyway, uh, she takes off after a piss boy uh, gets ripped apart in the long grass, and she gets caught in a trap, a steel trap. And we see the predator, of course, catches up to her. It's very easy. He's got long-ass legs. Um, and it examines the chain, but does not attack her. It just leaves her. And then, while it's still invisible, a bunch of Frenchmen uh, amble out of the woods and hold hold their muskets up to her face and then knock her unconscious. So we've discovered an encampment of French fur trappers, essentially, uh, that are responsible for the killings of the buffalo uh, and who are putting all the traps in the woods and stuff. Dude, so uh, they're... Yeah, go ahead. I say, she's had more head injuries than Scully in the first season of X-Files. I mean, she is getting knocked out in this movie. I mean, the first one was bad. This one's also probably not too good. She needs to, she needs to stay awake for a while. Uh, I think she might have a, <laughs> she might have a concussion. Yeah, you need to go to like the really, really dark tent that we have mm-hmm. and just like sit in there for a long time. What, we, have, we have a concussion tent. Whatever that, that polite Native American gentleman did to Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, they need that, but for like heads. There you go. Yeah. That's a movie I haven't seen in a while. I was I'd, I'd th- actually care, I'd care to rewatch it after the bear. Exactly. This, I was like, oh, that's a movie of the bear. I was <laughs> this close to rewatching The Revenant after watching this. I'm like, ooh, I want to watch a really good movie. Uh, this I want to watch a really good bear attack movie. <laughs> well, if I was gonna watch a really good bear attack movie, I would watch The Edge because that scene still scares the shit out of me. It's one of our best. Uh, it's one of our most listened to episodes for whatever the fuck reason. The Ninth Gate. I don't know if there's a lot of Satanists on the internet or something, <laughs> but The Ninth Gate is still our number one listened to episode. More than The uh, Edge? By The Edge. More than wow. The Edge. Wow. Like, far and away. There's a lot of Satan worshippers out there that really love movies about uh, winos uh, looking for old books. All right. <laughs> Thrilling. This is cinema! <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, like I said, uh, she is knocked unconscious, and she wakes up at night uh, at like with like campfire light, and there's a bunch of gnarly fucking Frenchmen. Uh, they're all like the casting department did a wonderful job of casting the greasiest, most despicable looking human beings mm-hmm. possible, um, and she deduces that they killed the buffalo, and uh, she discovers that they have her brother, and they slice him with a knife. Um, just to intimidate her because they want her help uh, because I thought this was a little bit weird um, apparently like they have an interpreter with them uh, who's played by Bennett Taylor who's playing a character named Raphael Adelini and the only reason I point that out is that it's his pistol uh, that we see at the finale of the film and it's his pistol that finds its way into the f- finale of Predator 2 mm-hmm. um, and he's also a character apparently lifted from the Dark Horse comics from the 90s. Um, so this character is actually taken from Predator fiction, like like multimedia fiction. Anyway, he's he's basically Fontenot from a uh, fucking uh, Almost Heroes. <laughs> like he's basically the same character where he's like playing playing every angle. He's he's the Benny. He's the Benny from the Mummy, essentially. Yeah. Oh, you know how Benny had his multi-denominational uh, religious iconography. That's this guy. He he knows many languages. Uh, I don't know that he's French. I think he's Italian, maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, he's he speaks to her in Comanche, which is in English in this movie. But 
he makes it known that they're aware of the predator. The French hunters are aware of the predator. They have encountered it. We haven't seen them encounter it, which again points to maybe a longer cut of the movie, maybe having some additional scenes pointing that out. Um, because as it stands, like we, we never see it interact with them prior to the sequence. But I thought it was weird that they knew about the predator. But I guess the, the, ulti- the ultimate point of all this is that we want to get to the next action beat, which follows here, where basically we try to hunt and kill the predator. Mm-hmm. Um, very very similar to that first film when they decide to hold their ground and catch the predator in the net trap. Um, but instead it's French fur traders, or French fur trappers, uh, rather than a commando unit. Um, anyway, brother and sister are strung up in a foggy embankment, which uh, I thought the look of this this uh, locale was pretty cool. So Tabe and Naru are tied to a post in this like soot tornado essentially yeah it's a really cool looking area it's a bunch of blasted trees uh, they did a really good job the, the look of this movie overall is very good mm-hmm. um it's a it's far and away like it's better than the predator because you do you remember what the finale of that movie looked like uh specify a finale uh when the when Hoyd Bo- Hol- Boyd Holbrook, oh. Kentucky man. I thought you talked about the first Hoyd Hol- the f- Hoyd Bolbrook. <laughs> I thought you talked about the first predator. I, you said the predator, so I th- was thinking the predator, the predator oh, movie. Yeah. Um, See, this is why you should title your films something other than that. Seriously. <laughs> um, no, I I remember there was a I, was there a motorcycle? No, predators running. It, There's motorcycles. The the. His ship crashes because Trevante Rhodes uh, throws himself into the engine uh, willfully a man, while shooting a gun. By the way, a man, <laughs> a man that handsome is not throwing it up. Like he's not cashing in that early, dude. I, you don't waste that. No, no, like, he he was wasted on that film. But um, so the the ship crashes and then they have this big fight with the the titular the predator and where it's shot again it was reshot they had a different finale in mind initially um it looks like legends of the hidden temple like it, it looks like a nickelodeon soundstage it, it's not outdoors at all whereas this movie as i said shot i believe in calgary with the blessing of of the local tribes people um who were advisors on the film by the way um, it, it looks naturalistic is what I'm getting at mm. where it the movie's meant to take place in the 1700s among like a among people who live among like nature and the movie has that quality to it it looks like it was largely shot outdoors as opposed to sound stages is what I'm getting at um, and as a result it just it looks much nicer yeah. <laughs> it looks more appropriate is what it does look like because um, it's the fucking predator he, he's at home in the jungle and in the woods and stuff um anyway a wind and soot everywhere and uh this is where the big reveal happens in terms of how the predator hunts and i really really like this uh, because the pattern that we've been seeing repeating over and over and over again is that it uh it kind of like trails prey which is where the title comes from it it has been following her without the intention of trying to kill her so she's been concerned about it as if it's it's gunning for her because she's been looking for it, which you know plays into the whole the Katamiya concept that she brought up in the very beginning of the movie. 
like to hunt something that's hunting you that's what she's that's what she wants like that that's like her life's dream uh this this predator is using her uh to basically like flush out other other predatory creatures Mm -hmm. so so like for instance the bear it was it was following her and waiting for her to start some shit with something that it could fight (laughs) meanwhile the predator doesn't give two shits about her even though she's armed and potentially dangerous um so all the interludes we've had with all the animals in the animal kingdom like the the ant being eaten by the mouse and the mouse being eaten by the snake and the coyote chasing the rabbit and all that business it's hammering home this point that this is how this this is how this predator works is that it it's looking for other predators to fight essentially like she's doing it's it's very fascinating how that works. Uh, um, yeah, he makes short work of these fellas. Bonjour, boys. One. Of- uh, <laughs> yeah, Kyle. How about you uh, share some of your thoughts about how uh, how these French French dudes get fucked up? <laughs> oh gosh, it all happened so quickly. Uh, I don't even remember how everybody gets it. Like he just, I just kind of like sat back and just watched him mark people. I didn't even like mark it down, but he. He kills a good 12 dudes, I think. It's around 12. Um, but yeah, I don't remember. Easily. Yeah, I don't remember all the ways. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you the highlights. I'll give you the highlights. So okay. uh, apparent, apparently one of Kyle's favorites, uh, the nasty net weapon. Mm-hmm. Love the net. Um, this, would be, this would be the net that uh, pins you down and then tightens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is razor sharp. Uh, so you, are, you come out cubed by the time it's done with you. Um, debuted in predator 2 by the way uh one of the gnarlier moments in that movie mm-hmm. uh right after we see full dong <laughs> full penetration dong uh, full penetration yeah 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 and sandwich a, a nasty net weapon in there and uh, you have the perfect film um we get to see a new shield weapon that this predator wields that like i said it unfurls like a kitana uh, like princess kitana's fans from mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's wrist mounted and it comes out into like a circular shape and it doubles as a blade so he he pins a dude to a tree stump and uh un- unfurls it and uh depacketates him as he's still choking him it's pretty tasty um and there's a couple of hilarious like 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 just like physical gags here like slapstick almost like straight up hilarious i thought anyway and uh first of which is making light of the uh firearm technology of the day so the predator shields itself from musket fire and then we show the opposite angle we see the people who had done the shooting and we see them just like drop the rifles down to try to reload them and it's like if it's gonna be a couple minutes, guys, <laughs> and we just see the predator that, like okay. look at them like like oh, so you guys get to shoot once and then you're kind of done, huh? I, <laughs> like, I remember I'm like I remember laughing at a part, but I don't remember what it was, and it was the muskets. Yeah, like that's pretty good. Well, it's just hilarious because you see you know the puff of smoke and like the deflections and stuff, and then like there's that beat where they're all like, oh shit, where's my powder? <laughs> that's the joke. That's like, that's the pitch meeting. It's just like, like, all right, so listen, the Predator, it's going to be 1700. And like, wait, 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 wait. How is this going to work? Because they had muskets back then. There's no way that they could try, because it didn't even work when they had automatic weapons in, uh, in Predator. So it's like, how are muskets going to do they anything? They had a goddamn minigun. Yeah. yeah. That's a damn minigun. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Different Arnold movie, yeah, but, say, but arguably a better one. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, what are some other good kills here? Um, the, there's another hilarious one where there's a dude standing alone, and uh, he has a flintlock, so he's got a pistol, and he levels it off, and the Predator just like steps to him and just does the, the shoulder breathing, the patented Kane Hodder mm-hmm. shoulder breathing, and he shoots it. And it ricochets and hits him directly in the forehead. I thought it back. I thought it backfired, but that's funnier that it ricocheted. I mean, that could easily happen too. Yeah. <laughs> that that would have been funny as well. But just the the timing was really good. Where they take that beat, and he's like taking his time lining up that shot, and you're not sure if he's even going to do it, and then boink, and he's like, ah! So I've actually shot one of those muskets before, those those flintlock muskets. Uh, they give absolutely no yeah. no kick, because the because it's just literally just like gunpowder with the little fuse and the bullet. Um, but yeah, but you do have to turn your head when you shoot it. <laughs> that is what you have to do. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the sequence was a lot of fun. Uh, the Predator gets a gets the drop on them uh, on the on the trappers because uh, it, it doesn't hunt by bait like it, it knows the Comanche are, are out there like it knows Naru and Tabe are there strung up but it's not interested in killing defenseless creatures it's going for the people who could potentially fight it and they do actually harm it like they do knock its legs out from under it and they do like uh, it does like step in a bear trap or two and uh, one of the other really cool kills here is it picks up one of those bear traps and it hurls it into mm-hmm. a dude's face. <laughs> it's like, shit. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and also it has these curved like knives that it like kind of boomerangs at people. It just like sidearms people like in the fog. <laughs> it's like, damn, just casual slaughter. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's pretty savage. Uh, the choreography of it's exceedingly well done. It's a lot of fun. Also, it needs to be said, this movie is very bloody, mm. uh, which any any Predator movie worth its salt should be. I'm looking at you, AVP. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, speaking of beefers, uh, Naru uh, <laughs> tells a boring story. It's very similar to her brother, um, and it's kind of teased based on the, the cinematography and the editing that she's considering, like, using a nearby bear trap to chop off her own arm to free them from the post. Um, but then she puts the, the, the rope binding the two of them together into the bear trap instead and cuts the line. And she just remarks, by the way, I'm, I'm smarter than a beaver because the beaver from her story chewed its own limbs off to free itself from something. And she's like, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, there's a better way. And that, again points to the theme of her characters that she uses her noggin and i think it was around this time that tabe pointed out that she sees what he doesn't and also uh he he said the line if it bleeds we can kill it um which is a little cheesy but i'll allow it uh it, it's very appropriate um so uh tabe now free uh goes to uh, retrieve a horse while she goes to retrieve her dog uh, who is still at the camp uh nearby uh, by the way, the Predator removed its uh, wrist gadget, and uh, we don't actually see what happens, but these three little what's-its fly out of it and uh, asplode uh, some Frenchies uh, off in the distance. Uh, it, some some sort of tracking explosive device of some sort. Um, and then uh, we get a little action scene with uh, Naru taking on like three or four dudes at this camp, and it's a the placement of the scene is a little weird because it 
she just wrecks their shit but basically it's two-thirds of her stunt double uh in one take uh just having having it out in this like brutal melee this back and forth like with these two guys uh and then they have this like hidden hidden cut in the action that i noticed where uh, they insert uh, amber uh mid thunder uh to play out the, the last third of the action beat but it's a nice little bit of melee a lot of stabbing a lot of stabbing uh, at least three dudes go down at her hands and uh, she retrieves her dog um and we get a moment where she and the predator uh, mutually uh like apply herbs and medicines to their their wounds so it's like cross-cutting back and forth between the two of them very similar to what we did in the first film uh, and in the second film and uh this is where we get that scene where the uh raphael at adelini the 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 fontano <laughs> um shows up uh What's his face? Uh, I can't remember the, the actor's name. The dad from American Pie. What, Eugene Levy? Not, yes. Uh, Fontenot from Almost Heroes. Uh, oh, for whatever reason, I remember okay, the character's yeah. name better than I remember Eugene Levy's Dude, name. <laughs> gun to my head, I couldn't tell you the single name from that movie. That's incredible that you remembered that. <laughs> it's the only one I know. That's the only one I know. But wow. that movie is underrated yeah. uh, when it comes to Chris Farley's filmography. No. I quite enjoy that he one. He went out on top. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. No, he did. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Kyle, do you remember this scene where she has a little uh, dialogue with uh, the one-legged uh, guy, uh, former pirate uh, <laughs> No, full dis- with bad teeth? Full disclosure, I was having a beer while I was watching this. I was not in... I'm going to be podcasting this mode when I was watching it. So literally, I just kind of remember the juicy bits <laughs> from this movie. So I apologize. Okay. Well, long story short, he begs her for help because he has one leg now. Yeah. Uh, he has some sort of gadget, uh, some predator tech affixed to the stump of his leg. And uh, in exchange, he offers her his pistol, his flintlock, and also tells her how to use it. Uh, and so she now has a pistol. Um, and in exchange, she gives him the orange totsia, uh, the like anesthetic or blood cooling flower. And uh, the predator shows up in the middle of their conversation. And he, being the Benny of the group, uh, attempts to play dead. Mm-hmm. So he just like <laughs> flops on his back and lays there. And she takes off running and, and uh, hides behind a tree or some shit. Um, and we see the predator vision and we discover that the blood quote like blood cooling effect of the flower uh makes him invisible to the predator or at least makes him appear dead to the predator so him playing dead actually does work despite its heat vision so the predator steps up and it's just like i don't see anybody here what i heard a bunch of noise there's a lot of stabbing going on over here i'm all about that um but fortunately um (laughs) He accidentally steps on the guy, yeah. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he screams. So he uh, he takes his a uh, wrist claw and just stabs him in the fucking face. Yeah. Uh, so it almost worked. It almost worked. But Naru witnessed this, and she took note of, hey, he just had some of those flowers, and now the thing doesn't seem to notice him. Um. Anyway, the predator tries to shoot the doggo, which cannot happen. Uh, it's not that kind of movie. Mm-mm. Coyotes are fair game, but not this absolutely adorable pup. Um, and then Tabe, bro, uh, he did in fact get a horse, and uh, he shows up. He shows the fuck up uh, to take on this predator, and he whacks this predator like off, while on horseback, and he takes its helmet off. 
and it's here where we get the grand reveal of what the thing looks like uh, at this point in the film and kyle uh, we already kind of talked about it but what's your uh, what's your take on the look of this pred so this predator is a little bit goofier looking than the other ones he's not as menacing um i don't think he looks bad at all um i don't think there's a bad looking predator but he is uh, he's a little bit goofier looking yeah i i think i agree with you he does look slightly muppet like Mm. because of the structure of his face um but yeah i don't i don't think we've ever had a straight up bad predator the only one that i i'm not a big fan of in terms of the design concept is the one from predators um that would be like the subspecies the larger one they they say oh yeah that's right the the bully the bully predators (laughs) like the the jock the jock predators to the nerd predators Mm -hmm. I wasn't a big fan of that. They looked a little too, like, slug or reptilian-like, I guess. However, they do actually bear a stronger resemblance to this one than the original, you know, the OG Predator. But the main thing that jumped out about this one, and uh, by the way, the design is done by the same people who have worked on, I think, every Predator movie, uh, Amalgamated Dynamics. Um, So that would be Tom Woodruff uh, Jr. and uh, his crew of people. Basically, they, they do all the alien and predator stuff. Um, and uh, the main thing that jumped out about me is the eye positioning. Um, as a result, it, like the, the eyes are very widely spaced. Uh, unlike the original predator who, as I said, the positioning of the eyes is meant to be human because they're, they're actually just using Kevin Peter Hall's eyes peering through the eye holes, whereas this one is purely animatronic. And the spacing of the eyes um, feels very deliberate in that it, it's akin to like a, a big cat. Uh, it feels like it's meant to be evocative of a predatory animal, like like you would find on Earth. So like a cougar or like a tiger or something with the eyes facing forward and spread wide. Um, and I think that plays into the nature of the thing very well, where it is a, it is a more savage, more feral, more direct, I guess, uh, style of hunter than the, I don't know, the more cautious and more strategic ones we've seen in the other movies. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it looks pretty good. Um, I, I like the I like the dreadlocks, like how it has more of them. Like it, like it, there's more motion, I guess, in in the way it moves. And also the the skull mask, I think, does it doesn't make the most sense to me, I guess, but it looks pretty cool. Like I think anyway. Predators predators should be aesthetically pleasing. It's like it doesn't need to make a lot of sense. Like just make him look cool. That's part of his allure yeah it's it's the uh what 90s comic books uh style of design just, just make it cool just make it's it like, cool. it's like but it it's like but why does he have so many ammo pouches and no guns like, just shut up it looks cool <laughs> listen nobody's biceps are that big just make it look cool okay it's like he, he can't even tie his shoes it's like well he wears slip-on boots fuck off <laughs> wait it doesn't make sense wouldn't his penis be bulging out of his just it, it don't put too much thought into it I, I mean it has to go left or right yeah. i mean it, it can't possibly just go it can't down t- or, it can't. Or up like <laughs> is it is it long enough to tongue under <laughs> don't ask <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, so uh tabe uh, he whacks the helmet off this predator. Uh, we get the predator roar uh, with a with a swirling camera so- shot, and uh, this is where, when the helmet is off with the laser sight on, uh, Naru witnesses how the dart targeting system works. 
So she actually sees officially how it works. And basically, the Predator tries to shoot Tabe with the dart gun, but the darts go where the laser is pointing. No matter where he put, where, no matter where he points the gun itself, where the laser is pointing is where that dart will go. So even though he's shooting in the direction of Tabe, uh, the lasers are all pointed at a tree, and all three of them land precisely where those lasers are targeting. Uh, so she witnesses that, and she remembers that for later on. Uh, Tabe has a nice little melee with this bread. Mm-hmm. Like, he he puts in some work like he jams a spear through like his shoulder like he wounds this predator a little more than than he ought to actually like this predator easily could have been taken down here uh but predators are also uh spoil sports they are sore losers Uh, so this predator like any good predator is a dirty fucking cheat (laughs) because he is having a stand-up fight with tabe uh, who is shooting arrows and like rolling and doing all sorts of acrobatics to fight this much larger enemy. And then the Predator cloaks. And it's like, well... Well, you little that, shit. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, really, that that's like flipping the board game. Yeah. Like that, that's like getting to, almost getting to the end of Candyland and just flipping the table. It's like, wow. We all knew that, kid. And that's every fucking Predator. That's... <laughs> it's like, I'm about to lose, but you're coming with me. <laughs> So yeah, this predator uh, follows the predator code of being a fucking little shit. <laughs> like, just being a spoil sport. Um, and yeah, it cloaks and then it impales Tabe from behind. Uh, reverse Carl Weathers style, I guess. Uh, although he gets to keep both of his arms. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, before he goes down all the way, though, Tabe uh, continues fighting while he's on the ground so Naru can get away. Um, and I, we cut back to Naru, and she's like washing up in a stream. And we also see that mom is distraught because a messenger arrives at the village informing her that her son is dead. Um, and Naru happens upon uh, the fattest and ugliest of the Frenchmen, uh, who is kind of positioned as being the worst of them. Like he commits the most visible atrocities on screen. And uh, she clobbers him. Uh, and she sneaks up on him and she knocks him unconscious and then cut to night and somehow she has dragged him to a campground yeah. <laughs> it's like a little bit of a leap of logic i couldn't drag she picked the biggest yeah. guy <laughs> i say i couldn't drag this fat ass uh yeah but hey who knows maybe she maybe th- she knows a way to do it who knows or maybe she put him in, a, in some water maybe she had like made a little little raft or something and like took him downstream a little maybe bit. she kicked him into the stream and he like rolled <laughs> he like yeah. rolled down the water and, and washed <laughs> up where she needed him to yeah yeah um yeah so she, she brought him to camp a campsite at night and uh he starts to stir and she finds some he finds some rats chewing on his stump which way, is because very, he also very unsettling yeah yeah, that's the second time that's happened in a movie in the past month, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Not happy about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rats chewing on people are not a thing Kyle's about. Nope, nope. Um, anyway, uh, he's starting to stir, and uh, he gets a hold of a rifle while he's crawling around the ground, and uh, Naru has a monologue here uh, that's basically like, I don't know, every murder-revenge movie monologue you could ever think of, but... It's interesting because it, it can be applied both to the man in front of her as well as to the predator who's presumably working his way to her. Uh, but basically she's uh, 
monologuing about how she not being acknowledged as as good prey as a significant threat uh, is both like you know the most egregious affront to her character um, but also what makes her most dangerous is that she is small she doesn't appear threatening but she can be and that's also her greatest strength uh, so she doses herself with the orange flowers uh, because she she now knows that it makes her less visible to the predator and uh basically uh the predator shows up and it sees the it sees her captive uh, wielding a musket it doesn't see her because she took the flowers um and it executes this dude it lops his head off and it's taking his head as a trophy and she walks up behind this predator with the flintlock and she shoots him in the back of the head at point blank range yeah and i was like oh oh fuck <laughs> like like it doesn't kill him it doesn't take him down but uh he's badly hurt yeah he he felt that and one. actually and actually like now that i think about it, combination of that of getting a fucking lead ball in the back of your skull and her having taken the flowers i think can be reasoned to be justifications for how she defeats him is that he just got shot in the back of the head he had he was already beaten up by both the other trappers and her brother uh and she still she still has those flowers in her which makes her hard to see so maybe it can see her motion or something but it, it stands to reason it's harder for it to track her mm-hmm. so it's it's hurt it's disoriented point is, point is like any complaint someone might have about like oh she's like small and like he's really big like how, how could you how could he how could she totally beat him it's like well you know he just got shot in the back of the head. Give him, a, give, give her a break. Yeah, any any tracker worth his salt that gets shot in the back of the head is going to have a little bit of difficulty uh, tracking after that. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but like like this this is a okay. Maybe this is hyperbolic, but if if I were to shoot Brock Lesnar in the back of the head, you better <laughs> you better pray you you get him. <laughs> Do you think I could take him if I shot him in the back of the head first? I mean, if you don't, he's gonna fish hook your asshole. Like just rip it right open. Just I mean, you better pray you kill him. Or at least he makes that like like noise on the ground and just like you put him in a vegetative state because if you miss Oh, oh, oh that'd be an ass beating. <laughs> Well, the point is, you got to you got to aim for the reptile part of the brain for him. It's the hind brain. Like if you hit him at the, you have to hit, yeah, you got to hit the hind brain. That's that the back part. Yeah, you got you got to hit the base of the skull. The back part of your brain is where that's old brain. That's basically where you're breathing. That's where all that stuff is connected. You can shoot somebody in the front of the head. You, know, you just like clip them right in there. I'm like it might not do anything. It might just that's the frontal lobe. It's not going to do as much damage. But back here is where you do the damage. So. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I was about to say if you if you're gonna shoot Bork Lazor uh, in the brain, shoot him in the reptile brain because you know that frontal lobe stuff. I don't think that, I don't think he needs much of that to rip your asshole open. <laughs> no, just like just no. whoosh, right open, <laughs> like a bag of Doritos. Like a bag of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> like a band aid. Right off. Right off. <laughs> Oof. Uh, so yeah. Uh, we get the iconic predator roar which you should definitely have that on the soundboard too i'll think about it um it is now 
it is now snowing because snow looks really cool. It's a nice effect. Mm -hmm. And uh, the predator loses his mask when he gets shot in the back of the head, and she takes it. That's very important to note. She takes the mask. She runs off with it. He gives chase. She places the mask in a very deliberate spot. We don't understand exactly why just yet, but it's very important. Um, and she hides up in the tree line, very similar to how most predators would do their thing, although we've seen this predator does use trees. Not often, though. Not like that first predator who was all about the trees. Um, as I said, more direct. Up more, there. More obvious in how he approaches. Up in them, over here, in over them here. trees. <laughs> yeah. Over here. Anytime. I, I always remember him whispering, ah. Great, great whispering from uh, Bill Duke there. Uh, I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. I was also, I'm like, I'm either gonna watch Predator, or I'm gonna watch The Revenant, and I'm like, oh, I can't decide. Uh, so I went with with Noel and I. Um, <laughs> so I've been waiting to use this drop. I made it specifically for this episode, but uh, how she makes her entrance into beating this Predator. She is Mr. Skunkhead with too many moves, and she gets the drop on this dude. It's pretty badass. I, I, this is not how I thought she was going to take him down, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, this is straight up uh, RoboCop 2, where he jumps off, he jumps from a great height and just lands on her back, lands on the Predator's back, mm. and starts hacking yeah. with, the, with that hatchet. And uh, Doggo gets involved a couple of times, by the way, and... Uh, Anyway, they just have a melee, like straight up, just close quarters, swinging weapons at each other. And she, of course, she's doing all the damage. Predator again, badly injured, badly disoriented. He can't land a hit to save his life. Um, but a really big development occurs when it attempts to use its uh, shield uh, to attack her. But due to some shenanigans, it ends up slicing off its own arm. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the same style of comedic timing is used here as we did with the muskets earlier where there's that beat where the neither one is doing anything and you just see him and he's just like fuck, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no words but you can see the head motion just like mother <laughs> like, uh, but of course he keeps swinging and uh, this is where he does the choke slam from hell uh, he does get a hold of her and th that should be it like I, you know blind injured if anything that big gets a hold of you, that's kind of it. Yeah. Like all he's, all I have to do is squeeze. <laughs> all I have to do is scream. <laughs> I forget where that's from, actually. Oh, uh, the Mask Last Crusade. Uh, Mask of Zorro. That was what I was thinking. She's thinking I'll scream, no, it's, but yeah, it's yeah. No, it's Allison Duty and Harrison Ford in the Last Crusade. Yeah, but around that was with the hit. Better movie. With the hit. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but. We're apples and oranges. The predator choke slams her, and uh, she slides herself along the ground uh, to position her head between two rocks. Uh, so when the predator extends the shield, uh, it gets caught on the rocks. Mm -hmm. So it can't quite take her head off as it did to the dude earlier in the movie. Uh, very, very good use of visual information imparted to the viewer, where it's like, oh, he can take people's heads off with his gadget if he's holding them. Um, and she rips one of his te teeth out, mm -hmm. uh, so one of his mandibles, and stabs him with it to get free. And uh, he, she uses her tomahawk uh, on the cord uh, to pull him into the mud hole that she fell into earlier. Mm -hmm. So that's where she decided to stage this battle. She's using the environment to her advantage. 
So the predator is in the mud hole and it's strong enough that it can pull itself out. Uh, she does the command them right here. Come on, do it, do it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says to the predator what her brother told her to say to uh, whatever her quarry is for the uh, uh, Katamiya. And she says, this is as far as you go. No more. This is it. And what we discover is that she positioned the helmet, um, which has the laser sight for the dart gun, to be like over the center of the mud hole. So the Predator, being a dirty, cheating bastard, after having had its ass beat and now being trapped in this mud hole, uh, decides to basically pick up a gun, its dart gun, to try to shoot her. Um, but because the laser sight is pointed at the at its temple, uh, the dart flies among the tree line instead of into her face and goes into its face, thereby killing it. Mm. Uh, so Predator is killed by its own weapon. Um, and uh, yeah, she's pretty happy about it. She's elated. Um, so ending of the movie is she brings the, the head of the Predator back to her village, uh, as well as the flintlock, which is signed Raphael Adelini, 1715, which is exactly the same pistol we, that Danny Glover is given at the end of Predator 2, mm-hmm. which in that movie in 1990 was signaling to the viewer that was a revelation at the time that, oh my god, the Predators have been coming here since the 1700s, presumably. Uh, now now we've come full circle with that. And uh, she obtains the title that her brother had at the midpoint of the movie, the War Chief title, and she tells them there's great danger, we need to move to a safer place. Um, which has dual meaning because she just encountered a bunch of white guys with guns, uh, and we also have aliens mm-hmm. that want to hunt us. Um, and there's a lot of parallels like that in the movie, where it's like the predator is also symbolic of, you know, the frontier and of white settlers and whatnot. Um, and in fact, the way it hunts, uh, the the image of the buffalo being stripped like that and not utilized in any way. It's basically the same hunting pattern that the predator uses it's a trophy hunter it's not hunting to to consume or to feed itself it's hunting purely for sport and for gaining trophies and whatnot um and uh yeah the end of the movie kyle uh that plays over the credits uh, is just a series of uh, paintings that depict all the events of the movie like uh, like almost like chapters in a book um but then the last part of it is her uh getting the staff uh, that symbolizes that she's war chief and then three predator ships arrive so it's a very dark ending it's like because if you take two seconds to think about it it's like oh wow they use the same i don't know if i'd i don't know if i'd want that though i think we're i think because this movie uh it got a lot of high praise it's it's nobody's got a I mean, nobody worth listening to is seeing anything bad about this movie, uh, other than I think the gripes that you and I might have. But like overall, it's being well received, and I don't think they're gonna. St- yes. I don't think they're gonna stop here. I think they're. I think they're probably gonna push forward with this a little bit more. I I'm curious because what what I what I gained from this was that it's the same pistol as the Predators had in predator 2 meaning they took it back it's true meaning these meaning naru and her people probably got messed up by some predators Mm -hmm. um, especially considering she killed one of their own um and they seem like sore losers as i said um but 
uh, another way of spinning it uh, is that I think I think the idea of maybe a lot of the tactics, a lot of the strategies that the predator in the predators in the modern films use were learned from this where it's like oh the more direct approach like stepping to a fucking bear and and like stepping into a crowd of guys with muskets and stuff it's like yeah that's fun if you're a predator but it's not terribly smart it's like maybe maybe this was the turning point for the predator culture where it's like hmm maybe maybe that maybe that gal is on to something because she she got one of our guys and maybe that's where like the different approach to their hunting came from was encountering humans and having their asses handed to them once but they do seem like sore losers though and the fact that they have the pistol in their possession strongly suggests that uh, this particular group of Comanche did not end up sticking around very long yeah, maybe but you're absolutely right, though. This movie seems to be doing exceedingly well from a critical standpoint. It's unfortunately on Hulu, so there's no ticket sales. Uh, I think it's. I think it did screen in like a theater, like a, a few theaters, but not many. Um, but yeah, it's apparently doing very well. And uh, based on this conversation, I think it's safe to say you and I both enjoyed it mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, surprise, surprising. Uh, to get a, a pretty good Predator movie after so many years of mostly, you know, mediocre to bad Predator movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, any closing thoughts on this one, Kyle? No, you should watch it. And if you are going to complain about it, just complain about the CGI. It's the only thing I want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't see many flaws in this movie. It's very well put together. Yeah. Dan Trachtenberg seems to be a very capable director. Mm-hmm. A lot of charismatic performances, fun action. Not a whole lot, not not a whole lot of bad to say about it. But yeah, yeah. this was a prey from 2022. Uh, really glad to have Kyle back on the show. It's a lot easier to talk with someone to bounce off of. Uh, but yeah, in, in the meantime, folks at home, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content, you can find it on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias at uh, Catching Cinema on Twitter and Catching Up on Cinema on the Instagram. Uh, And you can also find the podcast on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. Uh, So fucking Google it. Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.